Hello and welcome back to the only show that breaks down, cracks up, skews, and reviews each week's DC Comics. I'm the spirit of Quaker Town, Eric Shea. And I'm Jim Warner. And this is the Weird Science DC Comics Podcast, episode number 491. 491, Eric, I feel like crap, so I apologize you? to everyone. I'm telling you, I don't know what's going you on. You tell me I, every I think, week. I think I have like minutes to live. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to make it through this this episode. I, I haven't really been feeling well uh, a lot, so if Forever. I'm a little down... People will know, but Eric Shea, you're here to pick me up. Pick me up like and go with me like a baby. Tell like me, this a is the baby. intro to every show. Not like this. I'm telling I don't know if it's the air quality, my life quality, or whatnot. It's just real life. Up but here we are. 491. Oh my God. I just have to get through, you know, a couple more and then we're done. So with sure. all of that, I will tell everybody that we have five banger books. Eric told me he loves them all. He Did doesn't I? know what is better than the next, he told me. Me, me, Eric, the spirit of Quakertown, and the Eric down at the rec center who sells meth to kids. I'm glad you're the spirit of Quakertown. It's same. not It's not <laughs> Jess quitting her job to be the spirit of Halloween, Eric. We, we don't need that again. But in that, if you are looking to maybe hear, say, Green Arrow number three, Eric, or Tim Drake Robin number 10 finale. Finale. That will be or is already over at the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Weird Science, where you can go and listen to our Patreon-only spotlight picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. Uh, uh. Boop, boop. And why wouldn't you want to listen to those two books as we I go would. off, head off to the spookiest months of the year? I mean, right now we're all in. July and August. Night months of the year. We have July and August. So as we go through these books and Green Arrow number three and Tim Drake Robin number ten, we will be ending the regular books and heading off into the night terrors. So yeah, I mean most of the big books. Huge and drafts leak into the spookiest months. I mean, months. probably by the end of this episode, I might even let people know some of the bigger ones that might be hanging around. And if you are real interested in, hey, what's up with those night terrors? I will be putting out. A, I think it's the Night Terror Survival Guide. I'll be making a video for that. Okay. That'll drop tomorrow with all the solicits for all the Night Terror's books and then a little bit about the stuff that will be continuing on. So you can go and watch that over at our YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics is how you find that. And we're just going to get right into this, Eric, because as I said, those spotlight books, ooh, they were the best, right? Oh, my God, Eric couldn't stop really? talking about them. They were picked by... The badasses of the Get Fresh crew, and this is their roll call, Eric. If I have it, there it is. Jesus. I told you, because I don't feel good, and right? Of course, obviously. Mitchell, I don't, but I, it's it's one of those things like there's levels of not feeling good. I usually don't feel good. You tell me now, about all of them. Now I feel worse. Worse. Brian Trevitt. Trevor. Dad Nation. Yeah, y'all. Eric K, Jeffrey Greek, Zach Walker, The Annihilator, Ted Probst, I Love Punchline, Stork, Michael S. Cam, Matt Razor, Demon 3000, Niels Keyword, David Fink, Stephen Baum, Jason Colby, 242 to you and me, Michael G. I said to Michael G, if I can get a hold of somehow that Flash movie, ooh-wee, we might do a podcast. Who knows, Eric? That Batman, uh, Ken Howard, Comic Boom, Rocky. Alpha Kenny Body. Alpha. I heard that about you. <laughs> oh, you suck. Mark Jager, fresh from Paris. He ended up getting you all the toys, Eric, and then he ended up sending me something for my birthday. He ended up sending me a Beatles LP. 
that made nice. me then go and buy a record player. I did like buy a turntable. I did, yeah, the kids. You should see the questions that people ask in the reviews of that. I knew that we weren't going to get through this. Here we go. I'm still Everybody going. Did. Oh my god! Now it's what is happening. I know. It's is happening. this what happens when I don't feel good home? Yes. Right there, the Bill of Beer from the Bat Pod. Ruben, Carlos, Noah, Mar, Matt Rapier, Luke Hollywood, Simon, uh, <laughs> Louise, Man Ship, Andrew Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G. I just I hit a brick wall here. Eric. Uh, Josh Vermillion, Batman Beyond, <laughs> Mark. The Mirror Brandy Murray up there in Buffalo. He has a new job, Eric. He does IT nice. at a bank. I can, yeah. I can smell Ocean's Eleven coming our way. That's just a little side tip. Double I can A, smell Ron. Ocean's three and a half. <laughs> Ocean's four foot two. Ah, double A run. Doxing his ass in Minnesota. And let's give a shout out to the old time greats who are no longer with us. Rob Lewis, Reginald Drinkwater. And me, Eric, me, I tell you, I am not feeling yeah. well. <laughs> you? <laughs> For real? I mean, it's just anybody need to tell Reggie something, you better get a hold of me quick, because I, I think I'm coming, Elizabeth. Ooh-wee. But here we go. I told you that Gross. I needed a pick-me-up, Eric. I know. Really sorry, Elizabeth. <laughs> I, I, up, I needed a pick-me-up. Who knew that the pick-me-up was me, myself, and I? Eric, my favorite Taylor Soul song. I'm getting a little wet. Is it? <laughs> Yeah, well, no. No, uh, Biddy, uh, I think it's Biddy's in the BK Lounge might be my favorite. Biddy's uh, in the BK Lounge. Yep, I think that's what it was called. I think that's it, or like, uh, Use a Little Soap. I think there's a song. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's not a song. It's just telling you what to do with your life. Oh, damn it. Maybe that, because I told you, I did meet the guys. That's a hygiene video. I think they might have said that to me when I met them. So, hey, Use a Little Soap. I love that song, guys. A song. But, with all that, we're going to get right to this, right? Right to this. We have a bunch of banger books, as Eric said earlier. We have five yeah. books, almost a plethora, but we have some big books. But are these going to be derailed a bit, some of them, by the impending night terrors? We will see. That's the big question. We'll find that out. No. Right? When we no. come back. Why don't you leave us alone? I got to hey man. Oh, up and time my home. I got to hey man. Don't rip the smile off your face. The Yorkums stole this one thing that they blew up their place. Hey man, they're gonna make you insane. Hey man, they put asthma in your brain. Hey man, well, Batman's lost it again. He always tries to stop a man. A man. I'll be in on him and reality. And you're gonna make it into the open city. I'll be in on him and the Batman gonna stick it in the open city. He's out of sight. That's right, Eric. Orgum City. I like the Orgum City. <laughs> the it's very satire. reminiscent, but you know what? It's good. <laughs> biting satire. I said before we uh, ended up going into this section, that I hope that people understand the satire that yeah. I'm throwing out there, the diss track that I'm doing with that song, because uh, when we get to oh, it. Oh, no, it's pretty hype. Batman has lost the city again. Everybody's turned on him, Eric, and it's no longer his. So. We will end up talking or about that, it? but 
Or is it? Or maybe it's better. I don't know. But one of the things going on, and what I said at the end of that first section about are these books affected by the whole night terrors? I didn't mean set up or whatever. I'm saying that some of these are like, what the hell happened? I thought we had a story going on here. And it's funny because I think that she action was wrong. comics, action comics with Philip Kennedy Johnson, I think that it's 100%. Now, with that, just imagine or just think back at a flashback time. Oh, no. The idea. Remember when all of a sudden we had this war world saga and then things seemed to like, well, we're going to have to have Superman return to Earth. Boom. It kind of oh, ended yeah. then. And it is almost like that here where Phil Kenny Johnson kind of keeps getting screwed over by changes and things like that because I don't know if this action comics with the story with Phil, what happened? Because I really was kind of getting into it. You had me pumped up, Eradicator. Cyborg. So what happened there? But give us, we're well, just going to jump happened, into I'm this, telling right? you, I thought this was going to be the story where I could finally say, oh my God, Phil Kennedy Johnson did it. I like Eradicator for the first time since his inception, but you don't get enough Eradicator to actually like him or hate him in this story. Well, he is only in about a panel yep. in this issue, and he manages to be racist all the same, Eric, so I'll give him that. But he also is it race little hands. Being, being a clone? Well, well, maybe not. I was going more of he's racist because he's not full-blown Kryptonian. Like, he was doing that. It's like reverse deal. It kind of is still. He's like, you're he's, not all Kryptonian, so just a you are awful. So you're a half-breed, right? Oh, my God, we're back to share. But, Eric, with all that, let's just jump into it. Let's get into this. What is it, Eric? Action Comics number 1056, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art by Rafa Sandoval, Max Raynor, Matt Hearns, and Dave Sharp, at least for our first story. And that's what we're getting to right now, because if you remember the previous issue, we had the Superman family fighting a war on two fronts. We had half the team with Superman taking on Cyborg Superman, Hank Henshaw, while we had a bunch of other Superman family members going up to save the refugees from World War that were hanging down in A-Town from the necromonger freaking army that Cyborg, Cyborg Superman has put together. So we have two fronts, and it's funny, too, because I can barely remember the idea of this other front going down to A-Town. I, I lost track of them. But, like I'm telling you, Supergirl was leading this front to save refugees from, you know, monster robots, like dead people. And I'm like, I thought she was hanging out in robes being all kryptonite sick. Yeah, but no, and, here she is. maybe, possibly, reading minds, Eric, as we were maybe. talking about last episode. So when you have that, though, you have Cyborg Superman, he's talking a lot of shit, right? He's yelling. But as one in, does. in the whole play, though, it really felt, first off, it was a lot like an older Bendis issue of the Superman books. Everything was a spread page. And really, when that happens, it almost points out to me, yeah, they're trying to get this done quick. I mean, you're having a lot of spread pages where you're just seeing the action, not really explained, just having action scenes, punches and, you know, kicks and stuff. And then when you get down to it, though, I wanted to see what this whole erratic member Kara said I don't want any parts of that plan well I guess oh, yeah. she was wrong well she did she went to the other team right <laughs> he, he didn't do anything so Look, when you you're gonna go this, hang out with the eradicator team I'm forming my own team and I'm going to A-Town at A-Town and then A-Town. you even have where at the beginning I'm telling you I'm, I'm starting to have a little problem I said this to you before we recorded the idea of some of these books where I love synergy and I oh, yeah. love the way things go but I'm starting to get confused of what's going on and what and this, maybe the Superman, Detective, Batman, all this stuff is kind of kind of going in my head and swirling around. But when we start off and you have Superman fighting Cyborg, Superman, and so I want to thank you, your power boost from War World's White Sun. That I'm like, ah, come on, let's just explain things. Let's th-. Because the Superman book 
your biggest problem with that where a lot of people are loving it. Well, first off, you don't like having fun, but I hate having fun. <laughs> the explanations are lack of them. And yes. I think we're in this book, even not as much, but still things are just kind of being brushed over to just end this seemingly to me because we have a two month hiatus with night terrors. So you don't want to have, but why not? Ram V, Ram V story is going to go on for 10 more years. He doesn't care about night terrors, right? When you talk about the ultimate form of cyborg Superman here and like, you know, your boosted energy from the white sun generator at the beginning, like in the center of war world, plus the war world, like, you know, technology from those weird monstrosities that Mongo was creating. That is giving me my ultimate form. I'm sitting there. Are you talking about like the stuff that like Darling was made out of with Orphan, like the one of the lieutenants, but then like uh, the, uh, the idea of the white sun generator, like, so it's not Genesis that we're talking about. It's actually something else. And I would like to see the progression of it because I know that Lex Luthor got his hands on some World War Tech. Just, you know, wandering about, picking and looting things as he could. I just want to see the progression from that to building a metallo body with this where Cyborg Superman's able to penetrate through his mind through the Phantom Zone to build up this new body because that sounds really interesting to me. But ultimately, you have what's supposed to be the ultimate form of Cyborg Superman. And I just don't get it because even when you try to up the stakes here from one, one throwaway panel where Steel or, uh, or Superboy, I forget which one it was, talking about, I'm more worried about the Super Twins because Hank Henshaw blames Superman for his wife's death. So he's obviously going to see these kids as something that Superman loves. He's going to try to kill them. Okay, you said that, but we never actually saw anybody do anything towards that. It's just like a throwaway line that's trying to up the stakes but did nothing ultimately. I swear to God, at the end, when you end up having, oh my God, Tracy, you know, John Corbin's sister i actually yeah. thought at first see i thought it was one of the twins i thought that they act oh no it's a sister because like you said you almost seem like this is a issue where unfortunately there were going to be two more issues but since we ended up not having those because you know july and august are spooky you just have to end it here so some of these things being yelled out you think are going to have something to do? Well, we, ta- we talked about it in the previous issue. What we thought was going to be coming down the line based on who the characters are and the situation that they're presented with. Because even you know going into from last issue into this one, the idea that all right, John Corbin, he's on the like the good guy side now because he needs to find his sister. But now that his sister's a monster and probably going to be programmed by Cyborg Superman, she's going to fight against our heroes. John Corbin's not going to like that. Oh my God, what's John Corbin going to do to protect his sister now that she's on the like the bad guy side? And all you really get is her going after Steel and Steel hitting her one time. And Giant saying, no, don't touch her. And then she just goes out to fight uh, Cyborg Superman himself. So there was not even that whole idea, like, where is his, like, you know, heart is going to lie and, like, the ramifications. Because, like, everything about the Cyborg Superman thing just kind of falls short. Like you said, we should have had two more issues for all the buildup we had because this was something that I thought was going to be the ultimate story that Phil Kennedy Johnson's going to tell. Like, even more than Warworld because of the characters involved and I'm a big 90s nerd. But, like, even the idea that you have the Eradicator here, this, you know, crystalline holographic projection of him from the Fortress of Solitude that's meant to find something that's slightly off Kryptonian. That's how we're going to find, you know, Cyborg Superman. He's here giving shit to Connor Kent because he's one of those lousy half-clone Kryptonians. It's like, look, kid, I-, I understand. I don't like your face or your look or pretty much anything about you, especially that jerk-off new jacket you got. But if you use those TK powers, which somehow I know about, you know he loves the jacket. Of course he loves the jacket. He loves that jacket. But he's all like, you know, if you just use those TK powers that I somehow know about, you can just disrupt the signal that Cyborg Superman's sending out to his Necromonger army and everything else, and we can pretty much take his ass down. Oh, the hell you say? Okay, I'm just going to go do that. 
And I'm like, everything Did about this just falls apart. Then, right? I didn't even know what I saw I because feel, it I just don't seemed like Superboy was just kind of shut down when he's like, I'm trying as hard as I can, and you know what, it works out. But ultimately, it doesn't even feel like that's the case because Metallo takes charge with his new body. He's like, look, I'm stronger than you think, fucko, and I'm angry now, which makes me even more dangerous. And we just kind of dismantle Cyborg Superman, and I'm like. All right, look, I'm guessing the Superboy had something to do with this because the TK powers, which finally for the first time in like 20 years, I swear we were just using again for the like, you know, out of nowhere, which I'm happy with. It just feels weird out of nowhere, but it, it barely feels like the group effort, like the, the idea that the ultimate threat to the Superman family has ever faced in the final form of Cyborg Superman, like they're all here, but what do they ultimately really do to take this guy down? And when I see Superboy, because once they save the TK deal, now also... This big idea, we're going to get Eradicator. Oh, my God. Again, I'll go back to Kara. Says before she even hears the plan, she's like, no, we can't do it. I agree. Well, you don't haven't heard the plan. No, don't do it. But then once they get there, all, all the Eradicator does is, like you said, say to jump, but also adds this, before my connection with the Fortress is severed, I offer you this counsel. So when he gives it, then he's just gone. They end up severing this deal. And then when he says to John, use your TK power, John, I mean, Connor, use your TK powers. He uses heat vision, says disrupt electrical signals. I can do that. And we don't really see him again. I don't know what. And what I had. Worth a shot. My, my, yeah. You end up where Steel says worth a shot. When I read this. Nobody knows what Connor's powers are, not even himself. No. And, and I don't even know if he used them. Like you said, now. By the end of this issue, and I saw some people say, oh, man, this was a down week overall, but I still really liked Action Comics. And so I, when I read this and I got done the story, I kept waiting for, wait a minute, that can't be it. That can't be it. And by the end of this whole Kenny Johnson part, I was so let down by the end of this thinking, oh, my God, what, like the build, the idea just in your head and just to go to the Joshua Williamson Superman bit. Okay, Parasite. You, you love old Parasite, right? Oh, so you end up... But Rudy Jones this, the best. But having Parasite's story in that kind of end real quickly... But having every baddie story ends real quickly. Livewire, Parasite, and Silver Banshee. But I'm saying this is way more than any of those people. Oh, I agree. Cyborg Superman isn't Doesn't Parasite, be, Silver Banshee. Cyborg Superman, a evolved form, this big thing... This should be one of the biggest things right now in all of DC Comics, in any of the books, and it just ends just to end. And then the other part is, go with it, Eradicator and Metallo in the same story? What'd you say? As you Metallo, at the end, like, first off, he turns into what looks like a xenomorph at one point. He's going to town. And then, oh, my God, what happened to him and his sister? Oh, oh they gave him new bodies. Okay, oh, right. and then all of a sudden we got the Bionic Man fucking well, action figure where she's ripping. But even so, everything ended. Not one thing in the story ended in a satisfying way well, not only as that, we go to Night Terrors. There, there's a weird like aside in this issue, which I, I think they're going to try to like you know keep going in a further issue after we get out of the spookiest months of the, the Blue year. Earth. No, like no, not even the Blue Earth stuff because that's another thing. I, obviously, we're going to be dealing with, but. There's a part where our B team of the Superman family that are taking on that necromonger horde where they're defeated. They're set, their like connection is severed from Cyborg Superman, but Colin Keenan out of nowhere, I hear a heartbeat. It seems like one of these people who are dead and rebuilt as living, like, you know, undead machines is still alive. And Colin Keenan grabs him and flies off. I'm like, 
why is this one person alive and why does this matter to the story that we're dealing with right now? So that has to be something that's going to continue because it felt I so weird and out of place. So what you're saying is, what you say? Is that what you're saying here? When, when he goes and even that where he takes off and they're like, oh, like, I actually thought because you see John there and you end up, Keenan's like, I got this. And then you don't even continue like, hey, what's up with Kong Kid? They, oh, I guess that Hank went down. It looks at everything just kind of ended. And it was really, really frustrating and really upsetting. Not because I'm saying it's bad storytelling. It's not great, but it's actually upsetting because we were enjoying the story so much. And I think that we just got ripped off a bit. And it might just be because of Night Terrors. And then when we get back in September, you know, Philip Kennedy Johnson will start the things up again. I know that the Blue Earth stuff, that will, everything's going to continue. But the Blue Earth Earth stuff is not as cool as Metallo and Cyborg Superman. And I, I get that it's something for Lois to do, you know, something like that, but it's not that cool. It's not that cool at all. But even at the end in Steelworks Tower at the end when you should have some feels here. John Corbin and Tracy and the idea that Tracy is now like what she believes to be a monster like her brother because she can't feel anything. She can't live like this. And you have John with the nice moments where I'm a monster, but you've always been one of the good guys. But the thing is, I know you'll always do right because that's who you are, but you always have this monster by your side. It's a nice enough moment. Now, probably the single best moment of this, you know, story in my mind, because everything else, it's just, it's forced to end right now. And this idea of John Corbett and sister Tracy finally reuniting, Tracy having this terrible thing being done. She's a goddamn victim. Her body was replaced and like, you know, through a cyborg treatment and then replaced again to with this new steelworks like body. So she's essentially a metallo now. That is fucked up to do to anybody so i don't know how you deal with that but you have john at least being a nice guy and even like superman saying look john he's got a surprise because you know one day he's going to come out that like not be the tower no more now what i do like about this and i hope that it is explored a bit and i i'm more interested in this than bluer if you ask me but the idea that he was doing everything he could to save his sister but did she want to get saved She's now, like you said, she's kind of a Metallo herself now. And John, he's used to it. Just a mind in a robot body that you can't feel anything. Yeah, and I, I think that it might be one of those deals of, well, I did everything you I talk could. Talk to Cliff Steele, how he's dealing with this. Yeah, and like, it, it reminds well, me a lot a of Robot, robot Man. It does yeah. remind me a lot of even at the beginning of Grant Morrison's run where he just didn't. He basically yelling. Essentially, this, I'm telling you, the only thing the difference between Metallo and now Metallo's sister and Robot Man is Crypt- oh, Kryptonite Heart. Yeah. And so in the one of the big things that Robot Man Cliff ended up yelling in that first issue of Grant Morrison when I did it with Gray is that I can't even wipe my ass now. <laughs> and he was upset like you don't he even wanted ass. the bad stuff. He, but that's what I and I hope we explore that even more. But Hey Tracy, how's it feeling I have to wipe your ass no more? Common brother questions. I'm just like the bionic man action figure that Jim had. I'm ripping off my skin and grabbing the bionic. Honestly, I, I don't believe you because you called him the bionic man and not the $6 million man. Well, there you go, Eric, because I'm upgrading. That's what I am. Steve Austin, I got. So you end up where in this, we already said that. But then, you know, just to throw things in, Eric, before we get the blue, we get a spread page of Superman. As, you know, Clark Kent writing a thing of how great Metropolis is. And that felt like just filler and signaling to me. I, I don't know what we're doing here. Just to go then and say those stupid A-town assholes. I hate them. We're Blue Earth. And then at the end, you get a reveal that there's Goth Girl that's in charge there. It looks pretty Goth cool. Girl? Yeah, yeah, just Goth Girl? Because I'm telling you, you said that for some reason. Like, 
That's not Gotham Girl. Oh, he said Goth Girl. Goth Girl. Well, I mean, if it is Goth. I hope that it is Goth Girl. Maybe we have Salem right there in a. Well, it's so funny because right? even the idea of you have the Blue Earthers here in their secret headquarters where. Look, all them Supermans is out there trying to make the the Metropolis and the Kryptonians, and you know what? People are clapping because they're so afraid of what they're going to do if they don't clap. That's the problem with them Kryptonians. we got to figure out ways to bring them down. And then a little girl in her throne full of candles all around her is like, don't worry about all this shit because by this time tomorrow, Superman will be a mass murderer, and it will be our family that saves the day. So I'm sitting there. All right, so you're going to get the I just imagine you're going to have your own orgums out there with the freaking ten-eyed man masks that is telling everybody online, hey, that's, that's Superman. He's a mass murderer. Hey, I saw it online. I believe it. So, so Superman and Batman are going to face the same thing. If Susie Sue from Susan and the Banshee says it's true, then Eric, I'm going with it. That's what I'm doing here. So you can't even do that because you say Susie Sue and I think that big lady from Red Hood. I know. Lost. I know. Well, how about this? Don't trust anybody with face tattoos. That is one of the things that I will go through in life. It looks like there might be like a feather type thing on that one side. It looks like I'm not sure. It is. I just want to know what the arrow is pointing down for me to check out. Well, you see, Eric, I would say that I just found out Hooray she's for 12 boobies. years old. Ah, uh, you ruined it. Stop it. Now, we'll see what this all means. But again, I was just saying Hooray for Boobies was a good album, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. Also, <laughs> don't put candles like it almost pe- appears under the chair. You don't need to give yourself the hot seat. I'm not saying that the Blue Earthers are the smartest people about. Well, I don't think they are, but what I would think, and you actually alluded to it a bit, I think that this is a place so that the Blue Earthers and Metropolis can be let off the hook. I think they're being mind controlled, Eric, as everybody is nowadays. But that was a, a really, it was a disappointing end to she a was. bunch of big things that I thought had a lot of weight to it, but it Remember, we ended up at one point, we were bitching and moaning that War World might have been going along a little too slowly. And then uh-huh. all of a sudden it ended and we wanted more. And th- that feels like this in a, a mini version. So hopefully when we get back in September, we'll have something better. I just than don't that. feel like this is going on too long, though. I felt like I could have dealt well, no, with what I'm we saying, said. I'm not issues. saying it's going on too long. I'm saying that it stopped because of something else, it seems. So we end up not having enough I, I would have been quite happy to wait two months during Night Terrors to come back to a story I'm enjoying without it just ending we abruptly. We could have easily done that. I don't know why they did this. Now, in the Night Terrors deal, we are going to get in the Action Comics book, we're going to get some of the uh, Leah Williams. I believe we might get some Paige in that the is a nightmare. Night Terrors. It is a awful, awful nightmare. But Phil Kenny Johnson is doing a story as well. They're kind of going back and forth, and I'll have to check out what that is, but it's not even connected to this. Obviously, we didn't even set anything up to go into it, but we are not done because we have the next story that you had a lot of hopes for as well. Uh, And I'm losing so much hope in this story. At least this will continue on, but it almost feels like this was just like, eh, we're not going to do much this issue. I'm saying, though, not even we're not going to do much this issue. Where can we honestly take this story from here? Where can we take it? I guess that Superman's going to save John and get the hell out of there. That's what we're going to save. I'm saying, that, like, what else can we do for, like, you know, plot twists and character changes? And ultimately, I just get mad because personally, I want Gliana to be a goodie by the end that's redeemable and can be a friend to John throughout the years. That's all I want. And I can't see that ever happening. And I keep seeing almost hints of it. I almost see little bits where all I want is that Superman ends up saying, listen, Hey, John, I came and saved you when you were gone. Only an asshole would say that your daddy wouldn't save you. That's about Bendis when John Ooh. goes out and loses. I, I kept thinking he was going to say something here, but I don't know. I, I don't. 
at the end of this, I think that maybe Gliana learns her lesson. I, I don't know. If, while this is well, going on, Oh, you're right. Too, all, that, all that, like, awful, awful murder that I was committing, I learned my lesson. Listen, well, genocide, you know, she actually has a good idea oh, here. <laughs> I'm saying, maybe it's, like, Fuck. crossing the border. I, what is going to happen here? What border? Wanna, <laughs> the border of sanity and insanity. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what I think will happen. By the end of this story, the planet, which they mention as a passing deal, the planet's in big trouble. It's going to be, I think that the planet's going to start erupting and you're going to end up having Superman, John, they're going to save all these people and take them to another planet. That's it. Maybe Gleana's like, hey, I'll come if you let me. And oh, well, we'll give you another shot, right? (laughs) I don't know. But at the end, I don't know in this end. But the other thing is, Doombreaker is just in state, like, why even go back to that? To just show us that? You go back, and I'm, I'm waiting for Lois to get so bored that she starts messing around with shit. Oh, no, I hope this doesn't break in Doombreaker, Sephiri, because that would be sucky. Yeah, real. she's, like, r- waving her hand in front of his eyes to see if he reacts, and then trips, and then he's out. But then I think that he's going to end up being redeemed at the end because that's what we do nowadays. Well, but now but, that we're six minutes into the story, written by Dan Jurgens, art by Lee Weeks, Elizabeth Brightwire, and Rob Lee, our John Kent story, as we're talking about, where John Kent was kidnapped by Gleon in our previous issue, and now he's put into a lead box somewhere on the alien planet where Superman was left a message previously that says, Hey, if you want your boys, you've got to come to my planet and you got to do what I say. And when Superman does get to the planet to do what Gleon says, Pretty much like, I need you to take those people out there that hate my ass and just kill them. Just get rid of them. Like, what if I don't want to do that? Well, then I'm going to kill your son, dummy. That's what's going to happen right now. So go go play ball, Superman. So Superman's like, look, I got to save some time here and make sure that I can maybe listen in for John, even though he's in a gigantic red box somewhere on the planet, possibly underground. He's not going to be able to see or hear something. I just hope that he hits the walls loud enough and in a rhythm that I can understand where it's going to be out of place and I can maybe understand that my son's there. Can you hear that? We were Everybody talking about that. the idea if you, uh, if Superman had a favorite song or something that John could rat a tat on the deal. Yeah, whatever it is. And you end up not really having that. And also, it's John. Dan Jurgens could not afford a name drop on a song, I no, guess. No, no, yeah, I guess. But the Is idea of works? all this, maybe. The, the idea of this, my main point, and some people will get mad at me about this, but I'm not saying that I don't want any more Dan Jurgens young John stories. What I'm going to say is I hope that the Philip Kennedy Johnson stuff and the Dan Jurgen stuff is always in this book, but I would have, I would have rather have had these be quick, maybe three issue stories of back in the day, John, this didn't have to be what now is six issues and it's going to continue. This story does not have a lot to it. And you could have done it in three issues where Gliana shows up, the second issue, you find out she's a little sus, and then you resolve it then, and let's move on to the next fun story. Which could have been a Doombreaker, but why are Doombreaker we throwing a Doombreaker on top of a Gliana? Because we don't have, it. like, uh, there's not a lot to this story, but somehow we don't have enough room for both of these, because Doombreaker, like you said, is stuck in a suspended animation that should be another for a few story panels. Itself. Back on Earth for no reason. Yeah, where they save, say, you know, whatever Superman does to save the day, him and John, then they go back to Earth right as Doombreaker shows up at the, and then deal with that and have what that story play out. timing. Oh, no. And I think that three-issue deals are always pretty good, beginning, middle, end. I mean, it makes sense. And these stories aren't exactly the hardest hitting. Like 
<laughs> now, I like the three for these. Two is too short. We talked about that before for, like, convergence. Well, you don't have that middle thing in it. Exactly. You need the X. You need to have set up. Cleanna's pretty cool. The second it, it ends with the cliffhanger, oh, no, she's not so cool. Boom, end it. And then go to the next one because these should and could be fun. And people want to see Young John. And people, not just Young John. I mean, just think of this. This is basically, to me, being done because people wanted to see John being raised by his mom and dad that that got ripped off because of Bendis aging him. And that's what we would be getting here, except John in this issue, and for the bit, he's in a prison in Latin. He's in a cube, essentially. And even the idea where we have Superman on this planet, it's like, okay, we're going to have Superman. Daddy's going to save the day. He's going to get his little boy. But when you do have John, he's like pounding on the wall. He's trying his hardest. And even Gliana can see into this and say, oh, look at him. He's trying to break free. He doesn't bow. Wait a minute. He's not trying to break free. He's trying to signal his daddy. Well, I'm going to turn off the air. And then even when you have the idea, it's like, oh, my God, the peril of John Kent. He better be able to, like, you know, signal his daddy with his punches before he passes out of lack of oxygen. When Superman, he's ultimately just out there saying, people, people, please, you got to stand down. I better make this look good for Grana. I'm going to burn a hole like a trench in front of the, like, the, the, the people and the tower here, the castle. So it's like, this is all that Superman's doing. For this issue, like your your action is Superman listening while burning the ground. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that I will give Dan Jurgens credit for all this, though is didn't you think at <laughs> didn't you think at one point Superman shows up and I thought as a joke, almost like a jokey play. Gliana's like, "You'll never find him," and Superman is just going to find him because it's the one well, thing you can't well, see. That's, but that's, then that's she the says, "There's more." So at I'm least you thought that it's, out. It's a very clever play, but for some reason. It was so much because, like, when we get the idea that Superboy is in a lead box, you know, you can't hear, you can't see it if you are a Kryptonian. I'm like, okay, Superman, he's dealt with this shit before. He always looks for the thing that he is out of place that he's not able to see. He's like, and also, Superman, there's 21 other boxes just like this around the world, and I can blow them up instantly with the press of a button. I'm like, all right, fine, you got me. For some reason, though, it just became this thing. But, like... She is so, she is more prepared than any other Superman villain, it seems like. And she just happens to know about Kryptonians through legend. Hank Henshaw. You know what I'm saying, Eric? Well, who pays for TK <laughs> powers that you don't use for 20 years? Well, I don't even know if you had to because I didn't see them. But when you're in here, one of the things that did, like what I might have thought would have been a cool thing, if you were going to do a quick story, have some fun or whatever, if she did say, oh, well, I got him, like doing that whole monologue and then she got him. And then they're like, we're out of here. And as they leave, they hear like, oh, God, she's going to get killed. we got to resolve this still. And then back off, go back and try to help everybody. But this just feels like an extended deal. You know what I mean? And like you said, Superman, he just goes to the peoples and said, hey, everybody. I love the idea, too, in this. Please, I ask that you listen because lives are at stake. I'm trying to understand the situation so I can slaughter us, drive us to the sea. Right, all right. I, I, I just got to freaking buy some time. I'm going to burn the ground. <laughs> Fuck these people. I do like later on when we get to Harley by the end of, uh, of this podcast, I'll say this again, but I hate when you end up in a story recapping the story to people in the story. Like just Superman going and they're like, eh, she starves us. I know that we need to, but we kind of know that she's sus already. And he goes and just says, all right, I'll help you. Oh, no, you're going to kill. Oh, I'm going to burn a hole. These people are shitting their pants right now. Yes, they, there's they no way. And so with that, I thought, well, maybe they'll well, be I like, well. I thought were bad. Yeah. Again, I think that a 
funny play that I said to you before might end up happening here where if I'm Gliana, I am thinking on my feet. She seems to be prepared. She seems to be smart. Go and say, I'll take down this evil overlord alien and pretend to take down Superman. Boom, everybody loves her. And then you get the hell out of there. Maybe that'll happen. I don't know. But Superman is definitely not setting up anybody to trust or like him. He is scaring the crap out of everybody. And then John's just losing air and pounding the shit out of a wall. And then he ends up passing out. In the meantime, Lois is there with Doombreaker on Earth, who's in stasis. It's a very odd, nothing really happened issue. Sure is. Very disappointing for something that I've been looking forward to for what feels like a while. Well, Eric, then we move on to the next one, which you were waiting. What is going to happen? Mr. Terrific versus Steel. Even the idea, we didn't even talk about it, but in our first, you know, Philip Kennedy Johnson Superman family story in this book, we have the Blue Earthers. We'll talk about the idea that our prologue to this, what we thought was the prologue to the Steel book and the actual, like, you know, this part here is the prologue to the Steelworks book where we have that, that Mr. Walker, who's the big bad of that book. He's already been run out of town. So the Steelworks books takes place before our action comic story that we just dealt with. So it feels so weird and out of place for what's going on. But when you have the actual what we thought would be the prologue to the Steelworks book with with Steel and Mr. Terrific. Now that Steelworks is actually Mr. Terrific seems kind of pissed about it. We don't know why, but now he's here to throw things down. Like, throw it down. He's like, hey, who sent you? You know who sent me. Like, you know, you thought you'd just walk into Metropolis and do all this and it wouldn't ruffle any feathers. Game on, buddy. So it's a fight with Mr. Terrific and Steel for what might be two pages until they sit down and realize they don't want to fight anymore. This is a reality check. Yeah, I don't even think that they realize they don't want to fight. I think that they're like, okay, well, high five, buddy. That's what no, no, it's, it's a thing because Mr. Terrific is the silent partner to Terrific, uh, to Steelworks. He talks about it. so he's just here to give a reality check to John. Where look, they need to know John Henry Irons, not Steel. So let me punch you in the face and hit you with a T-sphere. I don't get it. Yeah, no, I'm saying there's nothing to get. It seems to be a test, but is it? And at one point, I'm telling you, when they both punch each other, I, I don't know what the hell's happening to Mr. Terrific's body and his arm. It looks like it is. It's way off. Something is off with that arm. Pretty arc. terrific. But then he ends up where beep, boop, boop, takes over the armor, armor falls away. I want to fight the man. Punch, punch, punch. All right. Oh, I gave you those armor <laughs> codes and trust, Michael Hope. Damn uh, you. Yeah. And so what this ends up feeling to me by the end of this, and it is a setup. I mean, at the end, it says, go see what happens in Steelworks number one. All right. But this ends up feeling so much like a five-year-old. But even the idea, this is the prologue to Steelworks, but Steelworks is already concluded by the time we have our first action comic story with Cyborg Superman. I don't understand the timeline. I don't even know. I think that that's just how they're playing it. Who knows how this is going on? I don't know. The idea that they think we could even find out that, you know, Walker got supposedly run out and now he's underground and doing this stuff. That's now like, he's back knows? to take well, Steel down. He might be like, okay, I'm just going to go underground Amortech. or get other people to get all zapped up and run. You better <laughs> run, boys. Like we saw. I don't even know what's going on in that book. So I was all confused. But in this, you do end up in my mind. Like I said, it's almost like a scholastic you know, young ages book of, hey, here's Steel. This is what he does. He's got his hammers. Hey, there's Nat. She wants to do that. Well, Everything even, is very basic. It's very basic to the point where Mr. Terrific shows up. They have a fist fight that means nothing because they're both buddies and it's just a reality check to keep, you know, to check your ego a little bit. So, because I want you to know that people should see the man, John Henry Irons, and not Steel all the time, which is funny because the whole idea of the story is 
I want people to see me and not steal. That's why I'm shutting down, you know, superheroes, make Metropolis self-sufficient. It doesn't need heroes anymore. So it seems to go against itself and what it's actually trying to say. But then Amalgam, the big bad, shows up and Matt calls, Unc- Uncle John, my armor's almost out of power and Amalgam's downstairs. Can you calm down? Aren't you going to put your armor on? I don't need my armor. I just need my hammer. Thank God Mr. Trick was there because the man that he wants everybody to see, John Henry Irons, Almost beats him out of the with a hammer. But if Mr. Tri- only if Mr. Trific wasn't there, he would have. Like, John, don't go too far. Thank God you were here. I'm like, I don't think we should. Like, I love John Henry Irons. I love Steel, but this portrayal, I'm like, I don't think you should be running Metropolis. This is my favorite. It's the you idea of man. Unhinged. Yeah, I want to see. At a moment's the, notice. I want to fight you and see if the real man can hold up. And then that real man goes off and almost kills a guy a second later. Why isn't that the test? You failed. And the thing is, we have freaking reporters outside talking about all these things. Thank God they weren't allowed in the building during this fight so they could actually report on what the truth is. It was awful. It was awful. And you get that play with Nat of, you know, being in trouble because she is pretty tough on her own and has been in the, even the Steelworks book. And even at the beginning of this, she's like, I don't know if this is going to work, whatnot. Now, all of a sudden, she's just, oh, my God, Uncle John. I'm a- well, it even feels weird, too, because, you know, the idea that her her armor is, like, is powering down because, like, it's out of juice because she says, with my fight with Connor, but, like, weren't you guys working together to f- beat up a force field? Like, isn't that what it should be? Not a fight with Connor? It feels weird the way it was worded. Maybe it's just me and you were in a fight with Maybe. other people, but not say it was a weird play to do it. But, again, at the end, it's just like, Live from Steelworks, they took down Amalgam. I'm like, nobody knows who the fuck you're talking about. This well, they even call him a, a wannabe Metallo. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, all right. And then they hug each other and everybody's ready and they pose. Thank you. I should hear Michael Holt. You did it, buddy. I'm like, I thought there was a real story with everything they were setting up for this no, three issue. Like, there's with, like, Michael Holt being pissed at, like, the ideas that John Henry putting out there. But he's a silent partner in this whole thing. Just to have a, a two-punch fist fight. Like, Thank God you are the man and not the armor. That's why okay. I like I like that you play the deal, too. It's like, oh, who sent you? You know who sent me. Then they fight. And then at the end, ooh, Amalgam. I wonder who sent Amalgam. I know who <laughs> Everybody's not giving us the phone. Like, I have no right. idea who sent anybody yeah, in this book. And that's, that's the weird play. I know that that might be the setup. And it's I'm telling you, it's Walker. It has to be. But. Does that make sense? I don't know, because you don't even know what the hell he does. He just unzipping pants and stuff. But you end up with, I know damn well who sent them. Well, then tell us. Let's go. Let's see what's happening. And like, now you're thinking, what? <laughs> what are you thinking? Tell me. But who, but who sent freaking Michael Hope? <laughs> I think he sent himself. Like, wh- like, why would you say that then? I know. That's what I'm saying. Why do it twice? I mean, at the end, you end up with that. I know who sent him. Please stop. But yeah, that was it was. And thing is, I understand the bit with Walker, but it feels weird for the idea that Walker would send Amalgam this, you know, cybernetic, like, you know, organism, like pretty much he is essentially a metal, like for what he is. But for what Walker's doing in the actual Steelworks book, with the, he has this technology that he's shooting people with who hate steel that I'm telling you, the guy became a phaser, like, you know, he faced his clothes through a wall. I don't know how that echoes in with Amalgam. I think he just had sexy time and then he ran. But when you have this, though, this probably isn't what happened, but this is how I felt while I was reading this. Because we set up this amalgam, kind of seemed his own deal, not really well set up, but at least you had the villain for this little story here. And then when you go, like, in the middle of all of this going on, nobody told Dorado Quick that there was going to be a Steelworks book, and nobody told, you know, Worf that this was going on, and this was supposed to lead into it. So then they end up at this point, like, 
just at the end, say shit that might kind of tie into what they're doing in Steelworks. Like, All right, I'll just say, hey, I know who sent them and mention oh, it, it's not good. But it doesn't really matter. I mean, I can hit the thing here because it, it really doesn't, doesn't because we already have a Steelworks book anyway. So this story was kind of a nonsense all along. Though it's a shame because we could have set up some stuff and you enjoyed that we got Michael Holt there. And you could have some fun with Mr. Is, Terrific. I love Mr. Terrific. Like, I want to get that fair play jacket for how much I like the dude. When would you I wear a fair act- play jacket? Would you really is, wear you that? You know I would because I have no shame. <laughs> that is true. I would not. I wanted him to be here and I would. I want him to be here in a significant way that makes sense. This, this didn't. No, it didn't. It didn't at all. And this. This whole issue was a disappointment. It's funny. Once we get done this episode and this podcast, I'm going to say, so I'll say it right now. I kind of am looking forward to Night Terrace because a lot of things aren't really jiving right now. And I might need a break for two months. I don't know if Night Terror is is the thing that I want or need, but it might spark me a little because this issue really it depressed me a bit because I was enjoying it. This is one of the books that was on my pull list. And I've been telling people you should read. And this just thudded all three. Just Thanks a lot, thud. Night Terrors. Yeah, I, I know. Thanks a lot, Roosevelt. But what would you give this overall? I'm sitting here because I want to give it a lower score than I'm going. I'm going to give it a six out of ten because I think the I was going to give it a every six, issue. But I want to give it lower too, but it, but like, I want to be a five point eight because every issue is disappointing with what they gave. Like I like the regular Superman story; it's just really disappointing in how everything just comes together to end for like you know out of nowhere. But I like that story up until this, so like this day and like the Gliana John Kent stuff. Nothing happened in that issue, and this this finale to our Steelworks prologue. I don't understand. I'm giving it a five point eight out of ten, but the thing is. I like the art in all of these, and I think all of them had promise, and I look forward to getting back to what we have after Night Terrors in Action Comics. This is just a really down issue of the series that I have been enjoying overall. I hope to God that when we get back in September to the regular Action Comics, the, old, the Philip Kennedy Johnson stuff, I hope that we don't go end through... End of August, Jim. Well, actually, I think that... It, do they have an issue at the end of August I think for there's this? A, I think there's an annual for the Action yeah, Comics. Yeah, I, I don't think there is. I, think, oh, no? I know there's a Superman, Superman? annual. Oh, but yeah, maybe that's what I'm a, thinking about. But the thing is, funny, Superman annual comes out the 8th. Okay. You know, because, but maybe I'm wrong. But whatever the deal may be, I hope that what doesn't happen is we get back to the story, and then we start doing some things, and me and you just keep saying, man, this isn't as good as what we could have gotten if you would have had that extended cyborg, Superman, Metallo, all that. I hope that maybe this was the plan. And Superman's going to be a mass things. murder in everybody's eyes, Jim. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, it, it's weird. But again, I don't need every city to go against their hero because we're going to be doing that as we get into this next issue. Eric, it is a segue. As they call because that we're going to get in. And going. I'm going to go six out of ten. I'm going to okay. stay at six. You go down to five, eight. I'll stay at six. But with the next book, we have, Eric, if I can pull this up, Detective Comics number 1073, written by Rand V with art by Ivan Rice, Goran Suzuka, Danny, Mickey, Brad Anderson, and Ariana Mayer. We also have a bit of a backup, but that, that seemed like it didn't matter as much. Yeah, as it honestly, had before, it's kind of like a. We eh, liked the nice at least I, th- I remember liking the last yeah, back we that we had with it. Young Prince Ars and this is a continuation of it. And I actually think it works pretty well for the story they're telling. Yeah, I think I'm actually like, by the time we get to this issue and they're blowing the shit out of Gotham, I really don't need to see why Ars upset anymore. He's an asshole. I, I'm not going to feel bad 
either way. And in this, he's not an Batman, asshole. He was manipulated. No, no, he's an asshole. I mean, here's the deal. You can manipulate me. If I go up and blow up in Philadelphia, I'm an asshole. So in that, too, Batman tells him that he's being manipulated. Batman tells him he's wrong. He don't care. You're dressed up like a bat. I'm not listening to your ass. Well, he's in that gold mask, and then he starts glowing. <laughs> he's glowing. Pretty fucking up. cool, this right? Guy's doing. Well, the whole city is destroyed. You end up starting out, Oregon place we hardly knew ye. Dog. Now, why the hell is it in the middle of the city? I think yeah. that they made a mistake. I think Ram V thinks that this was the tower. I have no idea. I don't understand because Arkham Asylum was not in the middle of the city. It was outside. They had the deeds of the city seem to be building on that land. Now we have it. It blows up. It looks like it's, you know, a disaster of disaster. Nobody's hurt. Everybody gets saved. Nonsense. And so with all that, you just kind of go through the motions here of, okay, what is going to go on? Does this end up advancing things? And yeah, you have the Bat family, but again, they're saving a the kid. Bath, that's the thing. It's the Bat family here is essentially as backup because we have the Oregon place that exploded, pretty much causing a 9-11 in Gotham. We have the Bat family in the background saving people as many as they can. The idea of just getting the understanding of where everybody is in the city. It's been like the idea of Cassandra going, hey, where are you exiting? Well, I'm out of the tunnels now. I'm watching the shit going down. I'm going to go save some people. But ultimately, with the decision that Batman made in the previous issue of Detective Comics where he was like, can you, you know, flip the switch to destroy the place and he does, he knew that, like, you know, Arzen had prepared this whole thing. The underground they're in right now was protected. That they won't so that, get killed. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, he, like, suspected you didn't know this. Well, I knew you, you didn't think I knew this, but I actually did know this. Now, let's get back to sword fighting, Arzen. Arzen, you know who I am? Well, you don't know that I have a ten-eyed lady over here wearing a fucking mask that's going to go online, and she's going to hypnagogically take over everybody's minds with telling you, Telling them that Batman's a piece of shit and the organs are better for the city. And so you end up where I would say that Batman would say, oh, my God, I didn't see that coming again. This is fear state. It, it, that's all it is again. Well, no, you end up having, and they're trying to reshape the city. Now they have a reality engine to help out with that. But again, oh my God, you know, the reality engine. It feels again like, remember, Fear State, we, we laugh about it all the time. Do we even need the reality at this point in time, though? We have a lady wearing a ten-eyed freaking mask that allows them to hypnotize people who are watching every airwaves that's been taken over by the Oregons, where they're telling people what they should believe. Do we need a reality engine at this point in time when we have this? We've made our own reality. Do we need a lady in a mask? That People hate Batman. This guy is losing the city every time. And again, remember the whole play, and we always laugh about Fear State, but the big play was okay remember scarecrow all that oh, yeah. what i need to do is i end up AJ. making people but what i'm gonna do i want to develop the city into its own fear state and then it evolves into a better place that doesn't need about that's what we're getting again it's just them saying oh look at this I no, love the idea that's, that's almost like a, that's almost like a uh, screenplay idea i have for a texas chainsaw massacre sequel <laughs> uh, maybe hopefully you were the first one because we're doing this again and in this, what makes me laugh, okay, you have the whole mask, you know, girl. She's like, hey, everybody. but it's going through the tech. It shuts down the Oracle network. Again, that happened in Fear State as well, remember? And also out. got taken over. So when this is being done, the way that they keep stopping some people like a Jim Gordon who says, first off, Jim Gordon goes, 
I'm so fucked up in the head, this shit don't work what, on me anymore. What, what is that, though? Just it, the idea nothing. that, like... It's bullshit, is what it is. It's so weird to me. You just have Jim Gordon walking around doing absolutely nothing for this story. I say that, but he's been saving Batman left and right throughout this entire fucking arc. But he's pretty much just walking around in the destruction when everybody's being hypnotized. And, like, don't watch this, Dad, because it's going to take you over. Like, bitch... You know what I've been through. Nothing can take my mind <laughs> over anymore. I'm like that's that's your MacGuffin right now. That's the idea. Like the thing that's going to save the day is Jim. Why would you just write it that way though? Because this is Gotham. Everybody has seen more shit than this. I know. Well, here's the problem I have. And going with this, Arc Light shows up in the Vigil book. The Vigil's going to save the day. Hey there, baby. It says and destroys all of her screen. Yeah. Oh man, what you doing to my computer stuff? Oh, you don't get it when you're looking at the devices. It'll end up fucking your mind, and they'll control you. Oh. So, okay, so that's here's a, the rule. That's the story. <laughs> Gordon then runs off to Montoya. I swear to God, I thought he bashed her over the head with the computer <laughs> monitor. He's like, "Get rid of this stuff." So he bat- So, in my mind, it, this is the story with the rule. If you're not watching the stuff, you're not affected. What happens when these people turn off the TV and go to bed? Are they no. not affected now because it's or are they going to play the well after a little bit of time it ingrains there. This is I'm bullshit. Telling you, this, is, this is along the lines of what we dealt with in the um, what the hell was it? oh the Batman and Robin Eternal where we had mother who's going to affect all these children to do these things. But what's the cutoff for rules. a children? Yeah, there was never rules. I remember we were getting going crazy. Then I was thinking about the Batman and Robin Eternal the other day. A guy was talking to me about it saying, oh, man, I think you guys were hard on it back in the day. No. I'm thinking of that. Where all of a sudden Damien's not affected because he's that what? And then remember one of the big things that Midnighter couldn't make doors anywhere near the ice until he did. Until he did. (laughs) He was just doing it. But in this again, where it's hey everybody, I'm telling you by the end of the story will probably be revealed where Batman rips the mask off of the Ten Eye Lady. And we realized they, she wasn't even doing anything. It's just that Gotham is well, sick that, well, and fucking tired is, of Batman. We, we see the wooji-wooji stuff going through the airwaves. People see it. So I have to think that the Ten-Eyed Mask is doing bubbles. something. The wooji-woojis. And But when you had this, uh, oh, I know, but the idea. Let, let's just play devil's advocate and try to break this down to the idea. I say, why the fuck do we need a reality engine when we got a lady making all this like hypnosis stuff going through the airwaves? Let's just say people do turn off their TVs, they go to bed, and all of a sudden they're not would you would you anymore. So thank God we have a reality engine that's going to make everybody believe this like, as it continues on. Oh, this they'll is believe their new reality. that. But the other thing that'll happen because of what's going on, except maybe a Jim Gordon because his head's fucked up. I think that we're going, and I everybody who praises Ram V, first off, this is, I believe, part 730 of this damn story. It just keeps going on and on. In this, Batman's going to be affected and later on. I'll, I mean, at the end of the issue, Barbados is back. I think that the reality engine, when it happens, we're even going to play with the idea of Batman. He might be able to not be Batman anymore because when the reality engine reforms Gotham, they're not going to need the Batman like they keep saying. And I think it's going to be even that nonsense that even we just had in Chip Zdarsky's book. It, nothing I'm in this you. feels original you, anymore, and it just feels nonsense. You talk about Chip Zdarsky's book and what we're dealing with over there, because when we have the idea that Batman is fighting Prince Arzen, who then gets all freaking like Super Saiyan with his asthma powers right there, and then breaks open an asthma and shoves it in Batman's face where the demon goes into him to control him, it almost felt like the idea of Barbatos in his brain, the hyperdimensional that was always there from the beginning because of the way that Grant Morrison talks about time and how it works, 
It almost feels like we're going to have a Chip Zdarsky bringing With back Zoran the Batman R. and R. Where the thing it is, feels exactly like that. Batman's going to be affected by the R's and or, or, or by the asthma, but is Barbatos or is Barbatos going to be affected by the asthma so Bruce Wayne can still be Batman? Almost Asmer, the idea of what we had. We also have a reality engine and a ten-eyed lady. The idea that we had with Two Face at the beginning of the story, where Two Face, like you know, didn't wasn't controlled by the asthma because, of, like you know, how it was. There's two personalities inside no, of they a fought each death. other off. So exactly, so we could we could uh, fight the asthma off because there's two personalities, and that's how it worked out. Is it going to be the same thing with Batman? Because if this feels like the idea that oh, Barbados is just zero and R now, yeah, it does feel like that. Again, everything does. Nothing feels original in my mind. It starts making you think of that, and even you going with that. Are we then going to get a Barbados over the top Batman who's punching everybody and nobody likes him. And I don't know. Batman hasn't done shit about shit in this. He's actually going up against art, but he failed again. And now we have Gordon running around yelling stuff that he can't be affected. Everybody's being affected by the devices. And at, at the end of this, I'm like, what the fuck is going on with that organ place? What was it? I don't know what it was. A place. We'll never know, Eric. We'll never know what it was. And why were people jumping around outside? Oh, whoopee. It's a ticket tape parade. It's an event. People were bored. You have that to do nothing. You blow it up and don't even have any ramifications because the Bat family went and grabbed a couple kids. Well, hold on now. I'm going to wood you, wood you here and tell everybody the Batman did this. We don't want the Batmans. I don't even know, like, you don't even have need to would you, would you? You could just announce that. I don't know. If you're doing this, if you're Prince Ars and them, they should get right on a, you know, conference deal, get a whole press conference and say, oh my God, do you see what happened? Batman blew this shit up. Here's a deep fake video. Boom, we're out. We don't need 10 you, you don't even need a, You don't need a deep fake video because if you just had a video of him doing it, then I think people would ask questions. Hey, who's that dude? Who's that shirtless dude with the golden mask brandishing a sword? Don't worry about you that. You would really have Batman to explain. Like, the scene doesn't really play out well. Like, where is he? Oh, oh, he's in the sewer. Well, why is he in the sewer? And what's that lever? <laughs> it, it won't make any sense. So, yeah, with that, it's it's surprising in this that you're not really pushing that just yet. So I don't know, even know if they will. I just think it's going to be everybody hates Batman. Oh, no, Barbados. We're back with that. And then in the backup, when we get to that by Dan Waters, at least we find out how they made the magic music box, eh? Get that. That's about all we got. I, I, you go with this backup because I'm telling you, this book just frustrates me. Where we have, like, you know, the man who was training Prince Ars and his swords master, like, who was pretty much a father figure to him, who was then supposedly murdered by the League of Assassins through Ray Shagul, but was really done by his mother because in the previous backup issue, we had Prince Ars and just pretty much obsessing over the Gaia tree that him and his father planted in the garden and it was dying. So he's uprooting the other parts of the garden, thinking that these other things are taking the nutrients, doing all that he can to like save this one tree that represents his father to him, essentially. But now that his weapons uh, master has been murdered and we still have the ninjas out there, Prince Arzen has realized how he has to harden his heart. And like the pretty much the things that his mother like wants to instill in him. Where like quarter flash, but you have to go and let's just burn the garden down. If he's hiding out there, we're not going to we're not going to waste any more men trying to get out there. We're not going to waste their lives. Just burn it down. But what about the guy tree? It doesn't matter anymore. We got to prove a point that we're the organs and we're not going to be fucked around like this. And like that's what they do. And essentially, it it puts the pain of his father behind and shows you who ours is going to be because of what his mother's done to him right now. Yeah, and the thing though is, is I see what he's going to be. I see it as he blows up half of Gotham. So. I like that last issue because it did explain why he had, you know, a big hard on for the League of Assassins. So that set that up. But in here, 
All right, we just continue with see a music box. You use that from the tree. They yeah, got some you, of the tree there, but saying, I, 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 I don't understand really what the music box anything. does for anything except it for the music box. It's just bullshit. But the idea, though, like you would think, because when you brought up the idea of the music box, it's not even something that actually stuck in my mind of the story because I was thinking about the idea of burning the thought, the garden, destroying the memory of his father to make sure that the organs are feared and stuff and respected. But when you have, like, look, we, we have the part of the tree that was saved in that shard, and I made this music box for you here. But the problem with that is that's a nice little sentiment, you know, for that idea. But we have actual music boxes that are supposedly do mystical shit in the actual I story think that we have. music box. But, but we haven't brought that up in so long now. I don't know what any of that means. And again, we weren't sure exactly what that music. Now I think that when Batman found the music box, it was laid out there by Arzen as a like almost like a diss at the League of Assassins because they were there getting stuff. I don't know. I don't know. And and in this, like I said, it's nice enough, but I'm past the point. I thought last issue, it was kind of cool to, hey, we're right. as my, no, Nobody was surprised that his mom's sus. We we knew this. Yeah. So when you get this and see, oh, that's Perhaps why he's sus. mad at Rachel Cool and it ties in this and that, whatever. I, once Gotham's blowing up, you got Ten-Eyed Lady and a fucking reality engine. I, I think the time has passed for Let's see young Prince and how he got manipulated. I, I Look, see. I will deal result. with these backups ten times more than I will with the other ones that we had with the well, Gordon and that weird tattooed boy <laughs> that was locked up in the old ark or whatever Cy the fuck Spurrier. it was. We, we don't need that. Shit. I don't ever want to oh, deal with that again. This, this is so much better. I don't mind reading this at all, and it's actually doing something for the story that we're. I dealing don't think with. it is anymore. Like I said, what I think this whole backup this issue was is music box, and you just said that you don't care about that, and it doesn't really connect. I'm just looking for the character development and who we're actually dealing with. Well, again, like I said, I don't need any more character development. He has now blown up half of Gotham. I see what he's been. I don't need to see any more his mom. His mom ended up, look, they they ended up stopping all the other explosions. Cass just says they didn't go off. And now they're manipulating everybody and they're going to use the reality engine to get rid of Batman. So I kind of know what he's up and doing. I don't need to see, oh, it's not really his fault because it is now. So I just, I mean, it actually goes and extends from, I really hate this book. I hate what Ramby's doing. It's taking way too long. Shit just is getting thrown at you. We're going to go back now to Barbados. That's why we get this music box now, because that's what triggered Barbados in the first place that and, we didn't and we see understand. That, did it? Because I don't know. I don't know. Well, is, I, is he always I just don't there? Know. But all of a sudden we get the music. Are, are, are Barbados and Rizuran are always battling out in the subconscious? I don't know. I don't. This is what. <laughs> this end, uh, by the way, it does look like since we're coming to Night Cares. Not that this continues this way, but it does kind of say that things that must die with ours, and that's done. The end. Uh-huh. It wouldn't say the end. So. That's it. So I don't know yeah. what the next backup is. So there you go. It really, you know, I like the last, the last issue I thought really explained some things a little more, but this one's just always oh, pissed and he's going to go kill people, slice them up. So burn them down. I, I, I said for a while now and I, I fought with some people. People said I was an asshole. I and they still do. Even for people reasons, are fighting with. But with all this, it seems that a lot of people are suddenly realizing that the story isn't really doing much it's convoluted as hell and it's just taking way too long uh the reviews are going way way down very quickly now so with that what would you give this ultimately i'm going to give this a 5.5 out of 10 i'm not having fun with this story every bit of the way where i think like maybe we'll get something that actually 
makes the origams this threat that the tech this will be ultimately like a decent run like i'm telling you it's gone on way too long to be that but i'm always trying to be optimistic to like the next issue's going to do it right it's going to be that one that becomes like the, the linchpin of the whole series it turns everything around but this right here it's like batman fighting arson and then he gets an asthma in the brain and that's essentially it i'm telling you like even like you have the ten-eyed lady like hypnagogically telling people that batman sucks you don't really need a ten-eyed mask for that, like you said before. Let's just tell people now, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just nothing going on. And while I don't mind the backup, the backup, like you said, it does. You don't need more character development for somebody who's already blowing up Gotham. And is essentially the big bad book. I don't mind it, but it's not saving this book overall for any means. Do you remember that there was a time, Eric, back in the day, when when the writers actually liked Batman? <laughs> they were writing because it hasn't happened in a while, and. Remember there were stories where the, I think Chip Zdarsky likes Batman. Remember, well, I think that he likes a certain Batman, but even then, I don't know. But I'm talking even this, Mariko Tamaki, you know, the stuff that we had with Tom King, all that, where I kind of like the point where the city of Gotham actually would stand up and say, you know what, Batman does have our back. Batman is there to help us. See, I never liked that because I always liked Batman to be an urban legend. Yeah, but even then, they're not—they're scared of him. Not saying that he's bullshit. It, it just is just bullshit now. Everybody hates Batman. Everybody in the city hates Batman. They're being manipulated to hate Batman, or even not being manipulated. But this idea of losing the city. It, it's got to stop at some point. I mean, there you go. Chip Zdarsky didn't even explain it, but we lost the city to failsafe. Everybody's taking over this damn city. How is Nakano still in office? Uh, he, I think that if you're going to play it out, he's got it's got to be like underhanded nonsense that he is being led to, you know, the big money people like Mr. Worth. I'll give it a five out of ten, <laughs> just a regular five out of ten. But there was, remember, what was it that we were talking about? Was it Batman the other Whatever it was recently where somebody did mention, like, man, I'm going to talk to that Nakano. Like, there it is. It wasn't something, yeah. I know. It was when they were in the Orgum Hotel. They were whatever that was. And that was, I'm like, yeah, there we see. Pretty it. sure it was that was the backup in Batman. Yeah, that was the stuff. Well, actually, it was just the stuff where Batman decided to go off and take down the Penguins uh, twins, the twin yeah. kids, when he busted in. Where the one oh, guy- yeah, that, that wasn't the backup. That was regular because Batman yeah, was, was back down, had to prove himself. And got his ass kicked. And I'm thinking, yeah. And now, okay, just think of what's going on. And people can go semantics, but we have night terrors, right? Well, the nightmares are going to take over. But then what's happening when we get back? Gotham word that's set up that Selena takes over the city. But Batman is never in control of this damn city, ever. So, But Batman shouldn't be. The people should be in control, Jim. Exactly. We don't need injustice, Batman. But the people should be in control because Batman and them are on the same damn page. The same page, Eric. But we're going to move on to the next. You you say shit like that. Ultimately, if you get what you want, it'll be some convoluted story where Batman needs power, but we have technology they can let. It's something that we actually did where we do a spirit bomb to let Batman our power. Fuck that. I just need Batman. I'm Batman. I need the <laughs> that lame ass story where they just have us back. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, we'll talk a little bit about back in the day and years as we go on to Batman: Brave and Bold number two, written by Tom King, Ed Brisson, Christopher Cantwell, Joel Jones, art by Jeff Spokes, Javier Rodriguez, Mitch Garage, and Joel Jones as well. We'll go through these and I'll point out the creative teams as we go as well. But we start out and the big play here is this Tom King, Mitch Garage story. Is it? Is it really? It's supposed to be, Eric. This book is too expensive. The rent's too damn high. The $9 book you told me? 
Yeah, you get a Batman The Winning Card Part 2 by Tom King and Mitch Garage that seems like they are writing this in, mailing it in, phoning it in, whatever you want to in, it's here. And it is uninspired in my mind. It is boring as shit. And I had a lot of fun inserting normal, stupid words wherever there was a wing ding just to make myself giggle. I was so trying wingdings. to make up curse words. I was saying things like banana just to make myself giggle. And in this, we didn't stress enough, I don't think, the first issue of this, that one of the major stories about when it hits midnight, oh, no, Mr. Wilde, he's going to die. That's just a retold story. Of Batman number one, yeah. The first Batman number one, Brubaker redid it already as an homage, and now we get it here. And it was part of the last issue, all right. In this, it's way too much of it. It just kind of just meanders about. And then all we end up doing is having back in the day Bruce Bro call it's it was so bad. I, I said I don't know if Bruce ends up calling up that dude to ask Bruce him a Nelson. question, to set him up or to ask him for a date. I had no idea. It was weird. And Tom King was trying to go, Hey, I'm gonna give like an eighties, maybe kind of maybe nineties type of you know, words and, and phrases like he, he sounded like a valley girl is what he sounded well, that's like. That's the thing. Is he, you have Bruce Wayne putting on the over-the-top playboy, dumbass Bruce Wayne persona that he does was, to Bruce Nelson. But it went on too where, long. No, no, I agree because the whole thing is you were trying to set up the reason why Bruce Nelson would try to take on the Joker editor like he did in Batman number one. Bruce Nelson sees himself as a big man on campus for Gotham. Essentially, nobody can take him down. He's the biggest and toughest guy there is. No asshole in clown pay is going to take me down. So when you have Batman come back to the Batcave and just panel after panel of him calling up Bruce Nelson, talking about how his idea as Bruce Wayne is to put out the word that he wants to take on the Joker because Bruce Wayne should be in charge. And then obviously this is always a setup just for Bruce Nelson saying, well, fuck that, Bruce Wayne. I'm going to be the big dog, like big dog, mm. woo, 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 which I actually do in this issue and say that. But and the idea, though, that Brute Nelson's just going to take the idea so Batman can know where the Joker's going to be because Brute Nelson's going to get the word on the street that, you know, Joker's not going to take him out. But when you have this, it's just Bruce, like Batman, walking through the Batcave on the phone with Brute Nelson, taking off piece by piece of the Batsuit. That's page after page for this whole situation. I'm just trying to tell you that Brute Nelson is going to confront the Joker, or the Joker's going to confront Brute Nelson, and Batman's going to confront Joker. The problem with that is... I, I know that this is the first interaction between Batman and the Joker. Batman is still essentially in a weird, you know, year one place, which it should be like the next like year two, but you still have the look. It's always going to be weird because at the end of year one, Jim Gordon talks about a new character called the Joker and stuff like that. He's going to have to look into it. Where in that issue, he was been promoted to captain. This one, he says he's lead detective. So I don't even know how the, like the, uh, the police rankings are working in this situation anymore. So that's weird off the bat, but. When we have the actual story that's retelling Batman, like number one with the first bit of the Joker, and you have the Joker take on Brute Nelson, Brute Nelson shoots Joker a bunch of times, and Batman's is essentially going off the most over the top ridiculous Batman you've ever seen. First, I know, I know you. You are not special because you paint your face. You're a criminal, superstitious, super, superstitious and cowardly. I am not scared of you. And second, I am the Batman. I am the vengeance. I do not cut. Coddle criminals, I punish them. You should be very scared of me. For some reason, I'm telling you, this this voice of the Batman, and I'm telling you, I know it's supposed to be early days. Bruce Wayne has not found himself yet, but this is it makes Batman a joke, especially hey, when a joke. The, the Joker who shot up, who jumps out of a window, 
is able to get away. And when Batman jumps up the same window, like, you know, get him. And he ends up hurting himself to the point where then he actually is trying to chase the Joker who steals the car. And then is, you know, he grapples the car, the Joker drive and tries to get up to him. And the Joker pretty much takes Batman out by swinging around a, t- a curb, hitting him into like a, a trash can, getting out of the car and kicking Batman in the face repeatedly. Like, what is this interaction between us? And ultimately throwing Batman off Throw the bridge. Off a bridge I'm just, yeah. But I'm like, this is not the interaction that I want to see between Batman and the Joker here because it's just so over the top where, like, you know, the Joker, he's a real dude. He's menacingly scary. He's the biggest Batman villain there is. But when you first see him here, he might as well be Jason fucking Voorhees from Friday the 13th. He's an unstoppable monster from the undead world. Eric, this is a guy who had his throat sliced and was laying in a church talking to Catwoman for fucking 12 hours and then just walked away. He's I fine. mean, this is how Tom King ends up writing him. And so when you but have don't worry, this, Jim, so- in a few months, though, because it's still like a little bit after year one, he's going to lose his smile for the war of jokes and riddles. Oh, my goodness gracious. So when when you're going to I just you have Tom King and Mitch Garage doing this. So you're going to get the nine panel grid that is not played out in a way that I first off, you end up while this big fight's going on. If this is what you're really concentrating on. You end up messing it up with these jokes and the get oh it, do you get it, do you get it. And it just, again, that goes back to almost the idea where Tom King would repeat dialogue over and over again. It got that, you know, just ridiculous. And when I'm reading this, I just, at the end, I thought, why, why do I need to see this? What is, what are you doing? There has to be a reason why you need or want to tell the story. I don't need to, I saw reviews. Oh my God, it's like the, like Joker's Jason. They even say it. Oh my God, he's like, he's not a man, that he's doing this. I'm I've seen this before. This is at the beginning. I thought that there was going to be something intriguing or something new or something special. And when you frame the story and start out with something that you're just retelling something that's already even been retold already, you're just here to do a story, I guess, just to throw it out there. And I think that it's just nonsense. I, I was bored by it. The wing dings. And, you know, and I'm telling just, you, the idea where you have the nine panel grid layout, but like each panel is interrupted by a little dad joke essentially it's just it throws off everything and it's not it funny it's and not it just funny. like it doesn't work in a well well story that you want to see a modernization of the first interaction between batman and the joker because even the style of art where it's like you know like a over-the-top kind of painted style it's just everything is drab and nothing really like feels like it stands out especially because you're just retelling a story but then making it worse somehow it feels yeah and then when you end up with these jokes they're done in a silent film deal for the man yeah. who let but it it's not clever it, to me unless i'm missing something i think it just is there to oh that's what he's doing but it never feels clever and a lot of times even we get this upset at tom king and his you know let's tell the fairy tale to connect in or let's do this or Christmas songs, stuff like that. This is even worse because, okay, it's the Joker and you're giving us these jokes. But at the one point, I thought that you were actually going to laugh at some of the jokes. I actually was hoping that what we were seeing. Some of the jokes aren't terrible, but for a story that we're dealing with, it's, it's it just interrupts what you're actually dealing with. It doesn't make sense in a context that we're dealing with. Here's the thing. Would it have been better if you went through and you at the end said, these these jokes didn't even make sense. They were off. And I said, well, don't you get it? He was a failed comedian. That's what they're playing with. He's the Joker now because these jokes were so bad. That's what led to a lot of this. Then I'd say, holy shit, that's pretty clever. But they're, they're not even like that. Some of them are like, okay. It's not even that. Like, there's nothing to it. I, I kept thinking of different things that maybe the 
the, you know, the, the symbols here, me, it, nothing. It's just them. And, and by this point, please, and I, I do like Mitch Gerard's art enough. I said, though, I'm sick and tired of him and Tom King together because you do this nine, but it's not special anymore. You do it every time you're together. I don't need that. I don't need you to do your greatest hits. I said this felt like the first issue. It was like Aerosmith going on that last tour. Hey, everybody, we're going to do this again. I don't need that. Maybe I like Aerosmith, but not this. <laughs> I don't need it. It feels like a band they haven't heard from in so long. They just got into the Hall of Fame, and they're going to do their little set at the Hall of Fame. Who needs that? But there you go. It's it's just nonsense. And like you said, some uh, you, you try to make the timeline work and it, you know with what we already had before but also because of what tom king did and with jokes and eh, it just doesn't even matter but well, the then we have like, the idea it's like matter. you have year one which uh, i base most of my beginnings of batman on from frank miller's year should. one story but then you have scott snyder's zero year i'm like was that retcon because that was a part of the new 52 and doesn't count anymore but we still have duke thomas who was really like you know been a part of that so it's really hard to try to like justify the continuity because it's zero a uh, zero year year one and then where freaking jokes and riddles takes place because it's a few like months it feels like after us it's in between year one and two but the joker's already lost his smile and every goddamn batman villain has been established already in that and, and that was one year after the riddler came about because when that started he said he'd been in jail for a year and oh yeah that's, that takes place up, yeah that takes place after zero year that's right yeah so then you end up where you know the joker and everybody was there so where and then just do you get it do you get it Oh, oh God! Do you get it? <laughs> I got it all right, right where I didn't want to get it, Eric. But by the end, I just thought, all right, we saw Batman get the shit kicked out. <laughs> What's new? And then we move on. And the next story, hopefully, you like a little more. It is Ed Brisson's story, and it is that Stormwatch deal. I like it a little more. I'm not really into it though, as much as some other people are. I'm just not really connecting to these characters at all. Or the story being I need told. this book to be its own thing because it does not. I'm telling you, I can I could not justify buying Batman Brave and Bold for nine dollars for just this story, and that's all I would be doing. So I needed this to be its own three ninety nine book outside because I and would it may end up, up being that because it's it's a cool it's a cool way to like you know reintroduce remake the Stormwatch team with these well known characters that are like not even well known. And Eric, just maybe I can maybe I can convince you because I just when you were saying that I did think that sounds weird. It's seven ninety nine. Okay, when you told book. me it was a nine dollar book, I went with it. I thought it was eight ninety nine for some reason. I'm thinking of Jonathan Hickman. It's okay, he has I mean, But yeah, it doesn't justify an eight dollar book I either. Know. So the idea, though, that you have Shadow, Rose Wilson, Ravager, you have some like you know, sto- like actual wild like storm people on top of Phantom One and Peacekeeper One. You have these characters, these misfits, essentially that are together on a team led by Mister Bones, former like leader of the DEO. And their whole idea is we're going to get, you know, technology out of people's hands so that we can have it for whatever Stormwatch wants to do. Kind of like, like I said before, it's the opposite of Vigil. When a Vigil is going out there to get technology out of the use of other people's hands, who could use it for danger? That's why I want Stormwatch and the Vigil to eventually clash because they have opposing well, ideas. Well, you say that, Eric. And when they started talking about Black Goo and the yeah. idea, I'm like, oh, shit, that's what we saw in that Vigil that he ended up in. A oh, movie, yeah, the eyeball but it's guy. Different. It, it's it different. It's all similar. But it's different. But even the stuff that you're dealing with, with the, like the background of our team, like I said, there's okay. some weird characters like Phantom One, you know, the former sidekick of the of Ghostmaker. Strange as hell that he's here. Peacekeeper One, you know, the guy in charge of freaking Fear State for Simon's sake. 
fucking weird that he's here. But he's here and it's kind of cool. Shadow, you know, the mother of Emiko Queen and like, you know, the, like Assassin and the Green Arrow, like, you know, Mythos. That's cool that she's here. Yeah, some of the other Stormwatch characters, hopefully like, I get on board with them, but I'm not really like on board right now with them. But I think some of them are kind of cool. You got your freaking medical guy, Dr. Zima, who's trying to figure this out, who's this, who's a terrible goo monster, it looks like. But our main story is this. Zoidberg, he reminds me he's, of. He's very Zoidberg. But we have an idea that there is a exiled Sibelian sect. They're out there trying to get the Dead Sea Sword so they can take on Atlantis and make their own kingdom, stuff like that. Mr. Bones wants to get his hands on the Dead Sea st- uh, Sword because this whole sort of thing is it infects you and then it takes out like a, like uh, with a virus and it kills you in 72 hours because it like uh, takes on all the salt in your body, like activates salt water. It can only survive in salt water, but when it's in your body, it can feed on the salt in your body until you're eventually dead. This is an ultimate weapon right now. We're going to go out into the sea where we think that the Zect are and they have the sword. We're going to try to weed them out and essentially just get a nice moment on sea with a very sus captain who's been hired out for our team, where they go and try to, like, you know, pretty much be a team. You get to, like, little individual conversations about who they are, how they act around each other. And it's kind of fun, but like I told you before through our text messaging, it's it's kind of slow at first. But once the Zects actually show up infected by the Dead Sea Sword, and they're trying to, like, you know, get these people out of there while they're trying to get the sword, but they also need to have a human person infected by the sword so they can, like, Dr. Zima can study it. Once something's been infected by it, it dies real quick, and you need living tissue to actually study how to, like, uh, counteract the Dead Sea Sword and its, uh, like, virus effects. But once you get the Zect on there and you start fighting, and there's, like, I tell you, by the end of this issue, Peacekeeper 1 is stabbed, and I'm like, how the fuck do I care about Peacekeeper 1? Like, why do, like, if for some reason... This misfit team and this like two issues story that we had in this bullshit book that I hate has made me care about we might lose Peacekeeper One. Oh no! What I think is going on first off, the beginning is a little slow. You have to explain this virus and yeah. the idea of the salt. Okay, but once you end up having Pirates of the Caribbean show up, then it picks up. But it totally is Pirates of the Caribbean because they're all they're all they mute, all look like, like them, right? They're all like Zebellion slash Atlantean mutants where they are like you. Know, Here's the crab man, here's the squid man, here's the eel man. They belong in the ninth tribe. I imagine these rebellions were exiled because they became dirty beauties. I think that what this setup is, you have this, you get rid of the Joker ink, take care of that, and then they will go against the Batman Incorporated. I think that you'll end up having... Stormwatch? Yeah, yeah, I think Stormwatch will okay. go. Or- because it feels weird just so soon because Phantom 1, we're like, that was our big story arc, we go back to Phantom 1 part of Stormwatch. But why would Mr. Bones want to like go after it? No, I'm saying Batman and Oh, you would said go they're after going them. after them. Okay, yeah, I got you. Yeah, I think that they would go after, find out they're sus and go after them. They're both written by Ed Brisson. I would think that that's kind oh, of yeah. the connection of how you'll have that. I'm telling you, but it makes so much sense for Vigil versus Stormwatch. It does. And it, it would be cool. Maybe a three-way, Eric. I know you like those. But the thing <laughs> is, so, who is that book for? Just even the title of the words. Me Stormwatch, Stormwatch versus Vigil. I'm like, I'm here for it, but... Who would under- look at that and say, oh, shit, you know, those people. You know. Well, I guess nobody. And what are Arclight's going to do against, you know, Peacekeeper 1, <laughs> against Flint and Core? We're worried about the idea that Batman Incorporated might get canceled soon. Yeah. What happened if actually they have a Stormwatch book and then Batman Incorporated is the guest in that book then? It, it goes all swervy there. But then you have Batman on the cover, at least. It's Batman Ake, but it's still Batman. But. I don't know. You you could easily make that work, but the vigil would work out a lot better. And by the end, it does pick up. I didn't care anything about Peacemaker. That guy's a racist Peacekeeper. piece of shit, Peacekeeper. He is awful. Uh, so I didn't care about him. But 
it's kind of cool, and they have a sub. I'm telling you, maybe he'll die. I, I, I am a little disappointed because I wanted to have this moment on the boat. Like you have him drinking a little bit, and Shadow gives some shit about drinking on the job. She decides she's going to drink a little bit too, and I thought this would be a nice moment. Like we have Flint talking to Core about the idea. Hey, you're staring at Ravager. She's never going to go out with you because you're 54 years old. Yes, but I have the body of a teenager. Like the idea of like getting the little ideas of who these people are through their mindsets where he has such a hard time like you know, dating because he's 54 years old in the body of a teenager. So he can't date teenagers because that's that story, right? But anybody who's, who's old enough for him, he doesn't want to date them because they're grandmothers or see him as a baby. His life is hell sexually. Peacekeeper ends up dying. I'll be happy. That guy sucks. But, uh, Overall, I'm interested in. But he could Ravager. be. He could be redeemed, Jim. But that's the problem be with it here because he. Everybody here can be redeemed. They're all pieces of crap. They're Stormwatch for a century. Not but, like him. But him, like the thing is, I want to like have him be redeemed. I want there to be a, a reason that anybody cares about Peacekeeper One. But when you have him here, having a drink on the boat, him and Shadow kind of getting along, like jabbing over a core over there about what he is and who he is, so everybody knows. When you actually get him having being sick on board the boat, like he drank too much, like. Ah, you just make it like Peacekeeper One look even worse in my mind. I, I just I don't have any connection with him. But we then go off to the Christopher Cantwell story. It's that Black Lamp story. There's nothing. It's so this. weird the Superman story. The idea even goes with this like you know, like a, a Fleischer cartoon style look to it with the adventures of Superman. Like you know, going off to find like this. This mystical temple that he was led to by a box that was mailed to him with a decoder ring inside that's actually like, you know, he remembers from a kid like liking this old TV show where they could, you could mail away for a decoder ring. This decoder ring is weird, though, and it opens up and allows you to go into the secret temple to find this missing a- aviator, which for some reason only Superman remembers. It's nowhere online. It's nowhere in like, you know, history books. And nobody remembers the idea of the serial that like Superman liked as a kid. And I am just so weirded out about it, especially because you have all the narration given to us, the idea of Clark Kent writing a story for Lois Lane about the adventures of Superman looking into this thing, and then Superman writing it. And I just want somebody out there in the DC Universe world to be able to look at the writing between Clark Kent and Superman and realize, oh my God, they're the same people. Because you, you have those people out there that were programs that you could like, you'll match up with this person like, you know, is writing the same thing. And I'm like, holy shit, they're the same person. And that's all I kept thinking about because the story is so weird and undefined in my mind that would be funny you, you get this deal and somebody comes to class i got it yo you better sit down buddy i'm gonna re- you know what i just figured out superman is plagiarizing you and doesn't realize <laughs> that the same guy like, you should sue his ass but yeah just i i was interested in the first uh issue the first part of this last issue because it felt like a callback. I love old time radio. I lo- yeah. I even like the idea of hidden, you know, societies missing deals like this when he goes in. But remember, I thought, oh, this is going to be the deal that maybe because of the timeline, all this stuff would be. And then you get in and it's just wonky nonsense. And it's just well, with even that the narration idea you have of ins- him writing, it was boring. Inside this temple where you have these like, you know weird like 50s style like what would they would believe sci-fi should look like goons you know where you have them going around superman trying to like strategically take them out stealthily like but this then you should have be something old, i like you have a big old robot that's there that he then just leaves on the moon and stuff like that it's, I'm telling you, it's very max fleischer superman cartoon for the way it's presented but this is like okay we get back and like oh my god it's hop harrigan and like the guy who i wanted to find he's been here for 75 years and there's his, his wingman t- Tank Tinker, he died in the crash, but this whole room that Superman finds Hop Harrigan in seems to be surrounded by kryptonite, or at least it starts out the way, because it doesn't feel like it, as except for Superman being weak by the end, but 
I don't know what this is. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I said, remember, there was that girl that he fell in love with at camp, and they both liked this, and then they had this friend. I thought it was just her. I can't remember her And it was going to be the deal. But now it's Hop Harrigan. I'm like, oh, okay. Let's see how this plays out, right? Oh, great. Yeah, I just ended up like, mm, I don't know about this, but we end up getting the bold. in the next one to be concluded. And then we end with the Joel Jones black and white deal with the uh, Batman and scars. his scars, Eric. And yeah. I, I will, I always bring it up, the idea he, he doesn't have the scars anymore, Eric. And me and you talked about it before. I'm sure I, he has some scars again now, uh, but not I don't what he's think had. Of, yeah, I don't think of him getting his back broken and stuff like that. But no. even so. He had his body remade through Dionysium. Yeah, the Dionysium remade it. And that was something that we ended up talking about because even Scott Snyder, if you remember in the All-Star Batman, he ended up even going against his own story that Batman had scars. And I remember when we were talking about it, we are like, well, maybe he's had been. It's and been a again, few months. She gets what real. What this is is that it's just a lane, you know. And it's cliche. black and white, which yeah. actually pisses me off right away because why are we paying for what feels like a half done story? Hire a goddamn That's colors. That's what each one's gonna have. Oh, I know, but I hate it. But the thing is, Joel Jones is writing, and like you know, uh, the art on this art. Like usual, it's well, really it's amazing because Joel Jones is an amazing artist. But the story, there's, there's nothing not, to there's it. There's no story. You have the mental scars, you have the emotional scars, and you have the physical scars. that Batman sits down and he thinks about throughout these black and white pages. But ultimately, it, it's just that the scar, the scars that keep him together, and Alfred being a part of his life since his parents died. The original scar that he suffered. It means nothing. <laughs> no, I was waiting. I'm looking like, where is it? When? Why aren't they showing Alfred's neck being snapped? Oh, my. I can have him there in his magnum P.I. shit. But, yeah, it's just we've seen this a million times before. Uh, it but looks it looks great. great. It looks yeah. great. It really does. Would it look even better in color? Yeah, I, I don't know. Everybody does. You know, that it's a classic book, even just the Batman black and white. So that's the play, too. Uh, with that, even the funny play is, I believe, in the one panel where he's sitting there with all the screens behind him with the stuff, you do see when he did die, right before the Dionysian deal where he has the Joker card right to his eye, is what was him and the Joker laying down oh, yeah. underneath in the in the back cave. So there it is. He got those scars again, though, Aaron. He got them back. I ended up going through because I wanted to see exactly when he died and how he came back, and I was going through. And I got so upset because of that stupid tattoo. That we were so into at that point at the end of the new Oh, the Al tattoo on Julie's yeah, body? Yeah, and yeah. Julie. Yeah, we were all excited about that. But I saw Julie some of the Madison. Bat Bunny, all that stuff going on. Pretty cool. Looked great. Uh, but we're done with this. And again, we're going to end up the one of the issues coming up. Megan Fitzmartin's going to do a black and white nonsense with somebody else on art. They're just going to keep so, doing So, like, everything this she does that, that turns out in color, it'll mean nothing. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. These black and white things, that's the biggest problem I have. I don't mind the black and white. I like the manga, Sarah. This isn't quite like that, but it's more of the black and white Batman stuff. But it's only a couple pages. You can't tell anything that's meaningful. No. You're just going to end up, you're going to, Really, it's, everyone should honestly, be just we, a silent deal with like three pages to have really cool art. You don't just give me some pinup pages if you're going to tag on some extra dollars on this book for no goddamn reason. Because at least I know they'll look good. But when you have this, I don't. It's, I can't wait till they collect these. I know they're going to collect these black and white ones into a collections at some point. I may have to get it for you. <laughs> what you get though. <laughs> Like, when we get done with Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow, and then you have four pages of what the round robin winners could have been, which doesn't have any time to tell a story, and it never intends to. It's just four pages of bullshit that could have won other than Superboy, Man of Tomorrow. That's what this is. Well, it, and, uh, It's nothing. 
and you say that, I'll give Joelle Jones credit then because she doesn't try to make it anything more and it's nice and you have some cool art. It works, Eric, but it, it does tack on things. I don't know. Either they take this off and they'll still charge seven ninety nine. Oh, yeah. So what the hell? Have some fun. But in this, like the urban legends that we said, this is just part two, Electric Boogaloo. You have to sit there and think at the end, okay, how many things did I like? How much did I like it? Is it worth eight bucks? And I don't think it is. I don't think it is at all. And anybody who would be interested in this, I would say, maybe get the ultra subscription and end up getting that. that. Because all in all, it pretty much is the same amount each month. I was was thinking of this the other day. I'm like, I think it's like a dollar more a month if you just skip this book. Get that, and then you get everything a month. You get everything, it's worth so yeah, it. it's worth it's it. It's totally so just, worth it. Yeah, just do that. Uh, so with because that, I honestly, also was, that's that's what I'd have to do because I just like the Stormwatch story. There, I think it's the strongest it's one that it. nobody cares about because nobody cares about Stormwatch, and somehow that's the hit for me here. Not a Batman Joker story, not freaking a Superman story or anything like this. It's Batman the Brave and the Bold, and Batman's the worst part of it. Yep, and with all of that, it's not even a Brave and the Bold. I'm now changing my $25. <laughs> Next time I might infuriate you by getting the Ultra, get the ultra subscription. There you are. You get it. Done. Done and done. And the rest will get Big Macs or something. Because you love the Big Mac. What Nobody would you give this Macs. overall? Ultimately, like I said, the only thing I care about in this book, which I think has great art, and I care about the characters way more than I should in my mind, is because I don't know. I don't care about Stormwatch. But for some reason, the Misfit team makes me want to care about them. I want to see the adventures they go on and where it could take them. And especially because the idea, Mr. Bones out of nowhere. It's what is Stormwatch? Does it make sense? doesn't have to. It's fucking the Mr. Bones. He's running something that doesn't make sense. It's up at Skywatch. He's got a misfit team who might as well be the Suicide Squad here. And it, it's fun. I don't know. It, and it can be fun. They're, they're doing weird and kooky shit that you're not getting anywhere else in DC mm. Comics. And I'm Except here for visual. it. Yeah, I care way more about these characters <laughs> than I do of anybody I don't know. in the visual. I don't. I don't. And at the end of this, you have said it before, but I, and I've seen some other people, I think Zach Walker even was talking about it. You and him, you big bugs, you two oh, bros yeah. there. Uh, if this was its own book, I wouldn't buy it. I, would. I, I wouldn't. I'm not interested in the characters. I'm not interested in the story. I think that it feels like it's elevated because it is the one thing that's decent. And maybe in a, a case. sea of shit. Because the rest of this book sucks. I, again, I can't give this book a high score because I like one of the four oh, things. Yeah, in yeah, it, so no. I'm, giving, I'm still giving it a five out of ten because yeah. I want to give it a fuck you five, but I can't because I really enjoy this one story. But it, everything else brings this book down. You know, it's fine throughout for the most part. Like I'm not huge on like you know our Batman story art or even the Superman story art, but I like the Stormwatch one. I like Joelle Jones art the other one. But it's just, I'm here for the main story of Stormwatch because everything else just bores me to fucking death. Yeah, so you gave it a five because you like the Stormwatch. I don't like Stormwatch as much as you, so Eric, fuck your chicken strips. I'm giving it a fuck you five, especially because of the insane price. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. That's just insane. So with all of that, though, (laughs) yeah, do it. I I suggest it to everybody. Is it wait three months? Is it it three months or six months? I don't remember how far back are we. One one fuck me. Okay, it's one month. That's why it's perfect. And I think nothing. I think if you can even get a deal, it'll be that. But I think it's like eight ninety nine, maybe like nine bucks a month for the deal. Somebody will correct me. So like we talked about the crazy nine dollar book. Just get the ultra. (laughs) Yeah, I'm telling you, even if the ultra is nine ninety nine a month, it would be worth it. You're gonna just take this out of the equation, get that, and you get every book a month. What the hell? Like I I still subscribe to DC Universe. Like what is that? 
You know, because I, I got it when it first came out. When yeah, you, get you, all the DC you get stuff. the six months. You still get it every six. You no, I'm get saying, the though, do, you, do you know later. what I pay? Because I don't know because it's oh, been no, so long since I subscribed. I think that might be like six or seven ninety nine. Well, why the fuck am I paying that for less? I don't know. I ended up getting a deal at the one point where I actually got the Ultra, and I think it was six ninety nine a month. I, I, I was just, not going to get it. I should this and get the Ultra. Yeah, you should. I wasn't going to get the Ultra, and then I saw this deal. I'm like, screw it. I, I can't Because they really up. screwed me when they took all the DC like media stuff off of there, and I was See, just and left that wasn't anything I was interested in, but the Ultra has the books a month out, so you get that. You also sometimes get like extra stuff thrown in, but there's a lot more and trades of some, and some books come out as early. well. Yeah, and so it, it's well worth it. I actually think it's a real good service now. At one point, I would tell you that the Marvel was you know, way over it. Yeah, check it out, because I think that you could probably upgrade some stuff. And then I like so I it. I love because, the DC Universe app. Well, yeah, and I love the, the apps like that. Even if I could get things or I have them, I like the convenience of it. But oh, I yeah. also like just paging through things. And I end up like, if I, I do want to do... I do a lot of research, and it's real helpful. Eric, I told you that when I was going through that Joel Jones thing, and I'm like, wait a second. I just went right to the app. Boom, started looking through all of Scott Snyder's end deal of Endgame, and I was good oh, yeah. to go. I like that. And I, I just like, again, because we do so many shows and things like that, that if I'm going to do a Silver Age podcast, I'll just go and, hey, where's the super band's friend Jimmy Olsen? Boom. And I started Agreed. looking, laughing. Great. Yeah, I love it. So I, I do suggest if you're not getting that, uh, to get it. But that's that for this section. A little commercial, you know, for a company that hates their guts, Eric. But we love the DC Comics, so I'll always suggest that. So everybody, that's the first section we're going to go up. We only have two sections tonight, so we're going to go take a little break. Come back with two more books to end the show. In her town, Gotham City His mother left him When he was still just a kiddie He got his powers From a scientist who's shady And what they do Is still a little hazy And he's just a boy Boy talking to the city He's still talking to the city, Eric, but is the city answering him? Is the <laughs> we'll see. Uh with this book, and we're gonna start with City Boy, we end up having a book that I don't know. Are you enjoying it still, Eric? I'm gonna ask you right off the deal. So am I. And I saw some people talking about this book as and I thought was gonna be the weakest link of the three. We enjoyed the first issue enough. We didn't like much of what went on especially in the spirit world number two. But when we get to this one, I kind of had given up hope almost like, oh, well, I guess the spirit world and the vigil let us down. Uh, this actually gave me my hope back, at least for this book and this character. And I could see this character continuing on after this, hopefully, because I'm kind of digging them. Though I hope that we get to a 
standard type of storytelling. I don't love the jumping back and forth at points in this, but I, I kind of understand that we're still getting to well, learn. Well, you have the a situation character. where it's like, all right, we've got to learn who Cameron Kim is and City Boy from the idea when he was a young boy, abandoned by his mother, and then when he was on the streets and he got his powers by some strange scientist to where he is now, the City Boy using his powers to try find strange trinkets across the city so he can pawn them for, you know, hot dog money. Yeah, I laugh, though, because some of the many of the uh, parody songs that I, I did have, I used trinkets in those uh, songs because I thought it's it was kind of why. a funny deal. That's why I said it. <laughs> and then I end up, and he, they say it here, like, oh, okay, look, that, the that, scientist that's says it then. And I was like, ooh, was I on to something? Then also, because of the song that led into here, I did that before I read the second issue. I'm like, I hope we don't find out what happened to the grandfather because that's it. This, but we didn't. So we end no. up going into Not this yet. here. And I'll give you the credits right now so we can get right into it. It is City Boy number two, written by Greg Puck, art by Minkyu Young, Sonny Gal, and Wes Abbott. And again, I said that the first issue reminded me a lot of a manga. You ended up more concentrating on the character. You set up villain deal. And then at the end, oh, my God, the big bad, which would be both Bruno Mannheim, but really dark side. And so in this. You end up kind of getting some ideas and then have another crazy cliffhanger at the end, which I'll make you laugh when we get to that. What somebody had said online that made me giggle. But when you end up seeing this, you see that, again, he's kind of a kid that wasn't fitting in. He has this power, eventually has this power. Hey there, orphan. Your mother's ain't coming back for you. You ain't fitting in around here. Oh, yeah. Punch in the face. Cameron Kim. Eric. Those are boys who are bad. Sure are. I think they I are. Bet they grow up to freaking torture a three-legged dog. I'm telling you, they go off and go off and start doing things with three-legged dogs. But you have this going on. And yeah, he never really has gotten along. He never ends up having many friends. So when you end up having this homeless guy that he's befriended, he does Fujimoto? feel... Fujimoto, he does feel like he needs to protect him a it's bit. Such a it's weird idea, guy. though. I'm telling you, the thing is, he's the only guy. But Fujimoto sold him out. And I don't understand the connection that he feels that he like beyond the idea that we have to establish that Cameron Kim City Boy is a good guy. I don't know why he feels any kind of kinship to this other homeless man, Fujimoto, at all. The only reason I think that he has a, a bit with Fujimoto is he knows Fujimoto's situation and that the guy's pretty desperate, has to do pretty what the rough guy on has the streets, to huh? do, right? It is pretty rough on the streets. Remember, you know, we thought that it was funny because you ended up having the boss. He was only taking, remember the percentage was boss really Chung? odd. Yeah, yeah, boss Chung was like, he seemed to be not getting us. It was very odd. But Where's my 3%? Yeah, it was so weird. Where's my 1.5% of this? But again. Well, I got $5 panhandling. Here's your 1%. That was the funny play because I One kept thinking made. like he's being nice, but, but they're not even making a lot of money. So I'm telling you, he's like, do you have change for like a, a quarter? I mean, seriously, he wasn't getting much. But the big play and what I was saying about the jumping back and forth is like, to show his anger at how he's being treated back yeah. in the day. Then when he changed, when, you know, he ended up where the shady, you know, uh, scientist ended up where he got those. Pa- like, you keep jumping back and forth with it. And I kind of want to get beyond that to just go with I'll the here it. and now and then go forward. Because, again, we had that story where Nightwing was, well, weird. you know, tell him how to go and things like that. And I want to kind of get to there. That was our precursor to this in the Lazarus Reign, you know, Lazarus Planet arc that we had for the We Are Legends. And it's such a weird idea because you had that to lead into this, which I actually would don't mind. I want this to be six issues of, you know, who Cameron Kim is become the city boy. 
where you see the back and forth, the idea of how you could tell this entire story so you know who Cameron Kim is by the end of this, and then lead into a City Boy story where you stop with all that, so you can just go forward. But where does Lazarus Rain lead into any of this? Is that still to come for Cameron Kim? I think because it's still to come. Yeah. Don't seem to be fit in here at all. So it's like, this is the precursor. Here's the origin story of Cameron Kim's City Boy, who then leaves Metropolis after all the dark side shenanigans that we have to deal with with Bruno Mannheim and Inner Gang, goes off to Gotham, gets rained on, and has new powers. We, we complained, oh my God, City Boy's powers have changed. Like, we, you can't do that for his initial, like, you know, appearance because we don't know what his powers are. So that's bullshit. So is this the idea where we find out all about City Boy, what happened, how he got his powers? So we establish what his powers are. So when they change, when you go back and look at the Lazarus planet, now it all makes sense. And again, he, he seems like even at the beginning of this, when he's a real wee lad, when they're like, oh man, your mother, remember when I said I thought his mom was a hoe? She went off. You say that about everybody's mother, so. Those kids are kind of saying that Just in a different matters. way. But, you know, ends up like, I heard that. I love that they say okay, that that's, that's not that's not a that's not a ho, Jim. The thing that they say is, I heard that your mother got remarried and her new husband doesn't want kids. Yeah, that's not exactly. A no, that is a hoe because she ditched her son because of that. That's different terms. That's not a, a paid mother. prostitute, but I'd still call her a hoe if I was mad at her. But I do like the idea where, you know, you have Cameron. He's upset about this. But really, what are they? these kids hearing? Like, what's the word on the street well, the thing from is, Gotham? Whether you know, there's they're word they're or just not, making kids, shit up. Kids are assholes and they'll yeah, say shit to people just making to fuck shit with them. up, right? It, it's so funny that they know, like, too much info, though. I don't know. Maybe the grandfather's, you know, spreading vicious lies. He's sick of taking care of this kid. But you end up where all that goes down. And again, by the end of this issue, we don't go that much more. The one thing that I think that's odd, because what we saw already that I think is the furthest on the timeline, the stuff with Nightwing in the Lazarus planet. Yeah. We saw less powers, though, than what we're getting now. And, and oh, yeah. the idea of them being advanced, I mean, he was just finding, again, trinkets and treasures here. Here he's seeing a lot of things that we were like, okay, well, I guess he can see psychic projections and he can end up seeing the deal his powers seem to be still manifesting more and more that he's not used to because even when he's fighting boss chung and he's losing his shit right now because fujimoto's in trouble this guy's like boss chung's pulling a gun on and his powers are getting out of control where in this room he could feel everybody that's ever been hurt here because it's part of the city and he is the city boy so this new power of manifestation of knowing the entire history of violence that goes along with all these things on top of it being able to manifest the spirit of the city itself into a giant wolf monster I'm like yeah i thought it was more of a dragon myself well, I, I just wanted to go with wolf monster but the thing is it's really badass I'm like have you ever done this before because what are your I don't powers at this has. point in time yeah i don't think he has and and because the way you were way cooler than jack hawksmore well and we were talking oh people are gonna be mad at you the Fuck idea him. that we were talking i like the idea because at one point we're like well why would he be able to see into this guy's coat you know, at one point, or why is Boss Chung came out? Remember, and he could see everything that he had in this. He kind of explains, well, the city is everywhere and sees things, and then I can tell what it is. It kind of works for me. And, and you're starting the to way that he was changed, the city has noticed him, so he's able to communicate with the city where the city just is. It's everywhere, but it is he's been singled out to the point where the city noticed him, so he can communicate. Yeah, which the problem being though is that not only is the city noticed him, but Bruno Mannheim is here to get him for Dark Side with the scientists from before and the whole play of Which it is a is. huge deal too, because even the idea where you have Inner Gang who's pretty much always connected with Dark Side and Apocalypse, the experiments they were running ten years ago where Cameron got these powers and stuff like that, where like, you know, they wanted this the idea that Metropolis is gonna be the hub because of how many times I like, guessing that Superman fought off Dark Side. 
when you have the, the scientists come back, he's like, I'm Dr. Macari said, I'm like, Oh my God, are you introducing a new apocalyptian character? Because you have Macari and like Dr. Simeon and stuff like that, who are classic apocalyptian, like mad scientists, like the sod and shit like that. But when you have Macari said, I'm like, are you actually going to be this splat? Like your Macari said, are you the son of Dr. Macari? Because that's kind of cool if you're going to introduce that. Well, I'll tell you, by the end, it'll make you laugh, Eric, this thing. This, so you end up where and they've been watching and they have actually seen. And I like the idea that while the city is connecting with Cameron, they are also watching a lot of surveillance stuff themselves and find and see him. Oh, there he is out of the pawn shop. There he is losing his cool. They were able to really detect his ass when he started doing stuff against Boss Chung in the previous issue because they've been wanting to find him for 10 years. But I guess because he's only been collecting trinkets and not letting himself cut loose. They weren't able to tri- triangulate any kind of signal to find where their city boy has gone. But now well, he's lost I his like cool the gem. Idea. They probably knew that city boy was around. They were just having problems finding him. And you'd even had Fujimoto say, like, you could tell that people were starting to notice things when Fujimoto even said, hey, I know you. He's the boy that You're finds things. You're the kid things. who finds things. And remember, he was freaked out by that. And at this point. Have you found my heart? He was getting the fuck out of the city. He went back and he's like, I got to get out of here. They're on to me. I got to get out. But Fujimoto being grabbed is why he ended up staying. And so when they have him and you have this big deal, the one thing that I laugh, though, is you have Boss Chung, who seems, we said, hey, I want 1% of that 30 cents (laughs) you found, right? He doesn't seem like a big deal. He, in my mind, He's a big deal in this neighborhood. Well, in my mind, it played out in a way that he's big deal in that one street two street but he's doing his thing but when bruno Mannheim shows up and and chung almost is like you inner gang you assholes you like he i'm like that's bruno Mannheim. i know that we laugh at him and but he should be a little bigger and he's like he's pretty big taking over now he has to be way bigger than this boss chung but you know he ends up getting you know the bruno Mannheim takes over Bruno Mannheim is a big deal. Works for, you know, Dark Side has all this apocalyptic tech, but behind his back, he knows everybody's calling his ass ugly. Well, they might. I mean, he's not a good looking man. I'm not saying Bruno that. Ugly Mannheim. He's a big dude, though. I mean, he's pretty big, right? And look at that. Look at that package he's got. Well, I'm face is a you. big dude, too. Ain't nobody calling him pretty. I'm telling you, when he, you, when he comes in, he says, not quite everything. Am I right? I swear to God, I see the whole package. In those pants, you know, I'm you talking, focus on weird things when you read comics. Look at it. I see I balls and shaft. I see it all, Eric. I see it all. I'm only talking about shaft. Oh, I can dig it. You end up. I just the idea that when Chung sees him, I thought he'd be like, "Oh shit, what happened?" No, he's like, "What man?" I'm like he gets up like he's <laughs> you nothing. belong across the river, Metropolis. I'm taking over. It's all mine, bitches. And he ends up blessing Fujimoto again, who went over to see if Cameron was okay, and then Cameron ends up. Kind of connecting to the city, and you see a bunch of things, and that is the vision that the scientist then even says. Like, you saw what we want to do. What, do, what does Dark Side ever want to do? He wants to make a new well, that's Well, that's the weird part because, you know, they connected to the city, the original experiment, which, like, you know, went haywire and, like, Cameron Kim being in the wrong place at the wrong time got the power granted him. But when they knock his ass out and take him back to the laboratory and have him all hooked up to the machine once again, like you did before when he freaked the fuck out and escaped, it's like, let me use my machine that we've tapped to do to show you the world. Like you could have just told him, like, why do you need a machine for him to have a virtual reality experience of the Metropolis is taken over he, by dark I love side? The idea. It's almost like the idea in the whole world. No! Even says, right? It's like the idea. Hey, should we show him what we want to do? Well, yeah, maybe he'll be into it. Maybe he'll like it. They show it. It's just a fire pit hell of a pop- big thick dark side coming through a boom tube. <laughs> he didn't Dummy like thick it. Dark side. <laughs> It made me laugh so much. So he's like, oh, no, the city. 
the city doesn't want this. And I like this idea where nobody <laughs> wants this. I just like, oh, no, no, the, the city likes it. I'm like, I don't think the city wants this. Nobody wants it. Like you said, now, in the meantime, you have all this going on. I think that Bruno Mannheim, he's kind of bored. He's standing off on the side, kind of leaning against equipment with that gun still. And then things start going wacky. But this is kind of, it seems, what they want. You know, you end up having the city manifesting itself. Now, it gets a little haywire. and it's- But e- even before we get to that point, uh, Makari's son is an asshole. I'll tell you, you hook him up to all these machines just to give him a VR experience of the worst thing ever that he's not going to be down with because no one's going to be down with W Thick Dark Side boom tubing into your city. But it's like, no, you can't do that to the earth. And, and who's your master anyway? He is. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, why do you got to be a dick for Carson? You get to say Dark Side. Why do you got to be all he is? Like, I understand Dark Side is less a joke, but don't fuck around here. It, it, and actually, the funny play you say that I was a little confused, and I think that it didn't play out even as a joke. It was kind of really stupid, but you end up where boom, all of a sudden you see the city manifesting itself. And I do like the idea that we have Trash Monster Gotham. Yes, but that but tr- we, we have Trash Monster Gotham, but only after the effects of the Lazarus Rain. Well, no, I'm saying, though, that was also a manifestation of the city. And yes. more that he, so you knew what was happening here. That's all I was saying, that once this happens, you kind of get, because if you read that, okay, oh my God, Metropolis is manifesting itself. So it's we have, big, it's we have dangerous. Met- we, have, we have Metropolis, a gigantic metal wolf monster who's here to protect its people, and City Boy especially. We get to Gotham. Here, here's a little trash monster that this looks I'm it telling was you, it's a Pepsi a, bottle with a it's bunch essentially, of shit. It's essentially that little freaking, like, you know, trash toy from Toy Story 4. That's what it was. To me, it's but grosser. It's young Eric Shea who needed Aww. to make something for school, and nobody helped him in the last second. You just grab shit out of the trash and push it together, and you fail. So you end up where this, or the idea that Shut this <laughs> is this is Metropolis at a point where he can't really control his powers as much. When you end up, when we think about the powers elevating, that might also mean, in a way, that he can control him even better. So maybe. If he went to Gotham now, it'd be a giant trash monster. But I do like this deal. But I think that it's intriguing because when this starts happening, McCarthy's son is not saying, oh, my God, stop. You know, oh, he's done it. This is what we want. This is the plan. And he says, all right, yeah, keep going. This is what we need. This is Even what we need Even when the inter-gang sentinel-looking guard shelves like, it's out of control, Doctor. We've got to get you to a safe place. Oh, there's no such <laughs> thing any longer. It's all <laughs> happening now. His glasses are all fucking broken like yours. You got those stupid suspenders like yours. Are they suspenders or is that like... No, that's a sash. It's that stupid scarf like you have. You think you're the Doctor Who supposed to you. You you both are a bunch of assholes. This is what you are. You're right there with that asshole. That's me trying to pick you up and you're laughing at me. I'm trying to help you. I'm an inter-gang thug, Eric. (laughs) And yeah, they start... You know, shooting at this now, thing. The, str- the strangest part, though, of the whole idea, because you have the whole place coming down because of this gigantic metal wolf monster that the city boy has manifested from Metropolis. And when it starts going apeshit, let's call it a dragon. But for some reason, the head makes think me think of a wolf. it still looks like a dragon. But yes. Yeah, yeah uh, cer- certain aspects, it does definitely look like a dragon. But when I look at it face on, for some reason, the head just looks like a wolf me. But when it is going apeshit right there and it's sending out that gigantic energy charge throughout there, throughout the city, like a shock wave. What is the point happening then outside of the city as it seems to be jumping electrical currents off of the like the metal guardrails? What is that? Do you think that's something that's going to be something Gears later on? Gears are jumping, right? They're trying to get out of the way. Because that seems like a weird little aside that what, what's happening right there. I, I think that may, maybe it, like at first I thought it was just gathering up power. 
But maybe it's sending out like part of it. I don't know. Maybe that's something that will lead into that was like an emergency exit for I I don't know. I didn't get it either because I get where you're seeing in the city and things yeah, yeah. like that. But when you jump out and you see a guardrail, all of a sudden and electrify. A and a deer getting cooked is what I thought. But uh, spooked. with that spooked indeed, spooked for lunch. <laughs> then spooked for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Classic and then you science. end up where eh, you know. And then you end up where, you know, Inner Gang is still firing at Cameron, who actually is stepping up now and is like, hey, assholes. Like he really gets big dick. City boy energy. The dude, right? the dude with the city powers, though, he becomes Magneto out of nowhere because as the inner gang's trying to fire him, he's bringing up like you know, like, uh, street signs to block the bullets in front of him and all of this cool like metal stuff. And like the only thing that's bringing this boy down is when Superman shows up and kills the spirit of the city <laughs> and says, "I think it's our city." Well, there you go. The city's gone. Just, but just that's this why though. I think that that city? little bit was it, like heading to the woods to hide. Okay, that's that's a weird thing for the city to do, especially since it's, it's defending itself. And I don't know. It's making uh, again, venison I, I, burgers. I think, that w- I think that will be something going forward because of how weird and out of place it felt. But just think about this, though. You have the spirit of Metropolis, the city of tomorrow, the big apricot manifested into a metal or like form by City Boy, and Superman just goes and kills it. I'm like, that was the spirit of our city, Superman. You're supposed to be here to protect us all. What are you doing? Now, where I got it, where I kind of like this idea, and I don't know if they were, it was meant to be. I often, you know, miss tell things or whatever, miss see things. I thought that at this point he was getting so overwhelmed, and you have Fujimoto says. Hey, you know, this is more than you could handle before and all this. And he's like, don't worry, Fujimoto. I know what I'm doing. This is, I kind of got that he was getting a little bit evil there, that he was like, I'm going to take all of you. Or down even the like idea, that. because when you go on from that, this is my city now. Yeah. Like that's, that's some, that's some over the top shit right there it with is. the power that you just realize you can it's control. It's very ominous, your own will. right? Oh, and yeah. I thought that that was the place. So when Superman but, came and down, might, because when Superman yeah. comes down, yes, we, he, he done fucked up in my mind by destroying the spirit. Like it's that might not be destroyed, but this manifestation of it, it's, it's down for the count at, at the moment. But I think Superman will be here for not, I don't know about the rest of the series. But he will be able to give a Cameron Kim the right way to go about things because of who he is. That's what I think. And I think that maybe him hitting the because it's weird to think that Superman just destroyed the spirit uh, of Machopolis. (laughs) And I think that he actually was doing that to break Cameron out of that connection because he saw that this was going wrong. I, I don't know if Superman can, has the, the vision to see what's going on right now. He has supervision. You know, this, young has boy's, supervision. I, this young boy with his telescopic supervision, I'm seeing everything. This young boy is obviously controlling the spirit of the city as he fights against the Sentinels of Inner Gang. You say that, and if it is Superman coming down, and I don't know, maybe I shouldn't make assumptions here, but somebody fighting Bruno Mannheim and Inner Gang, that person fight it might be on the right side, but he does end up, and that's why I thought he came boom and hit that to sever that deal because Cameron was going a little over the top. And, I just you know, think it was to stop the gigantic raging monster. Maybe, but again, it was kind of there behind him. It'd be like Pete's dragon. All of a sudden, I show up, Pete's there with a dead dragon. You know, I'm just, just, taking I'm just thinking about Pete's dragon, though, with that, like, that lovable-looking goofball, not this monstrosity of metal and horror. Isn't, you know, beauty just circuits deeper? I always think, but... The funny Please. thing that I went that with or that I saw is the well, just talk to me in like 10 years from now. That's all we'll be doing. But with all this, I saw somebody who got, talk to you one week got online and they were like, oh, I don't. Uh, should I spoil the ending? <laughs> should I spoil the ending for City Boy? And then people are like, no, no, no. And he's like, fuck it. I'm going to sit. 
we found out who Cameron's father is. And there's Superman. <sighs> because when he shows up, he says, I don't know, son. <laughs> and the idea where you even said we're McCarty's son, that makes more sense because of the background. This guy the legit thought that the ending was that Superman just came here because Cameron's his son. And I'm like, are, are you insane? I'm telling that guy would go on Twitter or wherever the fuck you saw this and have a paddle Twitter. saying, great Scott. Oh, my God. Superman loves somebody called Scott. Yeah. Oh, my God. He thinks Scott's super. He thinks Scott's the best guy ever. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, it was so funny. And I had already I had already looked through and saw the end. I hadn't read it fully yet. And then he says that. And I'm like, well, the spoiler is that super, you're still an asshole because you showed that Superman yeah. showed up at the end. But he was really saying, no, 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 because then he gave the panel before. I don't know, son. (laughs) Son. Oh, it made me laugh. But yeah, it's a great cliffhanger. And if you're going to do a six-issue mini of a new character, and quite frankly, characters that people didn't seem that excited about, you need to get people excited. And how you get them excited is to tell a pretty decent story, set up a character you start to care about, and then have kick-ass cliffhangers. First issue, Dark Side. Second issue, Superman. You did You're it. doing something there. That's all I need. It really shows me in Even this. Even doing something with Inner Gang in general at this point is just kind of exciting. And I'm not going to tell you that I think that this story is real intricate. I wouldn't say that it's, you know, crazy and fancy. It's enough, though. I, I, It's enough for me to enjoy it. Especially uh, in the landscape this week of comics. Exactly, yeah. And even with these, you know, the whole thing of the We Are Legends books, with Spirit World, that went off in a weird tangent. And then the vigil kind of just, you know, kind of seemed too much of nonsense. But this I'm enjoying. So what would you give this? This is my book of the week. I'll I'm telling you, this is 7.5 out of 10. I'm enjoying this. The problem with this is, is that the, um, the, like telling you, some of the weird things like, yeah. All right, we're gonna put you back in this machine. I'm gonna show you what I want to do. Like you, you could have just said, it. I know it's not as exciting, but you're filling it's up pages with, with stuff it, that we understand. Like you know, I don't know side. why you tell this kid that that's what you want to do when you need to use him. Well, he's hard. a weird guy, Makari son. He wants I to freaking that, he's definitely playing devil's advocate here. Makari son, maybe he'd be just, down with it. All Makari son had to do is say, "Listen, we'll we'll give you like fifty bucks." I mean, this kid is so desperate for any sort of money or whatnot. Just say. That go back if you are a manga fan out there. Just tell them you'll give them toast and jam. They'll do it, Eric. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. You don't even know what I'm talking but about. But no, the, the majority of this issue is Cameron raging on from people to people to people. And like, I, I'm here for it because I want to know the full, like, you know, lengths of Cameron's ability. But we're second issue in, and it just didn't feel like a lot of progression, even though we know Darkseid and Superman are now involved. But it's doing really good stuff for the character and the overall, you know, allowing me to understand who City Boy is and making me realize why I should care about him. And I think that when you have these six issue minis, you do have to decide, hey, am I going to wow people with a story? Or am I going to set up a character? And I I yes. like it better setting up the character to get both. to the story first. But you're not going to be able to. We don't get both Watch in <laughs> Spirit World. Yeah, Spirit, we I, don't I, know anything about right. Xanthi. We don't. Yeah. You need to know the characters first. Are you talking about that? Vigil? I couldn't even remember freaking Dodge and uh, uh, say his name. You're going to run out of time. You hey, have there's Arclight. All right. Uh, uh, you really have to establish. And I said this book reminded me a lot of a manga because it's setting up the character uh, then you enjoy the character and you'll go to whatever story. That and that's one of the things. To, I don't so. care about the wild, like the Wildstorm characters that we have in Stormwatch, but I think they're doing a decent job. Two issues into that Stormwatch bit in Batman Brave of the Bold to let you know more about Core and Flint and stuff like that. Well, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, and you would go, I don't know that, you know, the, the story in the Stormwatch book 
It's very general. I mean, you keep it saying is. it. They're going the to grab hunt. these things. Yeah. So don't worry about that. Give more character work, and you're enjoying that at least. And the thing is, even the little bit of setups that we have going on here, like here's an exiled sect from Zebel who have a death sword. We want that shit. Why the right. fuck are we talking about that book still? I'm done with that. Man, that sword much <laughs> I is good, I don't huh? like it like you. I don't okay. <laughs> It's better than any of the other stories. I'm telling you, they just keep giving us these but... crazy scenarios you're not getting anywhere else, and only two issues in. Yeah, yeah. But here we are with, with the City Boys. I might have to start making some more songs. But yeah, I, I didn't do this. I'm an eight year seven five, but we'll go to the last book of the night. Spoiler. This book sucks. This book is awful. It's Harley Quinn number thirty one. I, I can Donna barely DC. Even, I can barely even call it a story. It is so bad that it is past the point of being funny to be infuriating back to funny and then I just throw up my hands because as I was reading it, I, I was a roller coaster ride of emotions. Harley Quinn number thirty one written by Teeny Howard oh, by Sweeney Boo and Steve Wands. I'll tell you, it's one of those books is as you're reading and and again, if me and you weren't doing a podcast that we do it like the way we do, we wouldn't be reading this shit. We no. would have dropped it. I I like Harley enough. Not this. And I ended up finding in the way that I do where I'll read a page and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I just read. Usually I'll go back. I didn't. I just went forward because I looked and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're playing whack-a-mole. That didn't mean shit. Well, even All the right, idea let's go and Har- get a carrot. That doesn't mean shit until it Harley does. Because- Qu- Harley Quinn on Earth-26 with Captain Carrot to the point where she's coming to this world after she accidentally took the, the Vorpal fish away from Captain Carrot when he was fighting backside. And now she has to rue the situation that Captain Carrot's pissed because all his friends are dead because of backside because she took the magical fish that he needed to defeat his big bad. Okay, we're going to do some stuff here, but the whole explanation of how this works, there's cartoon physics here. So when they talk about the idea of cartoon physics, how are your friends dead then? Are they going to remake themselves? And then the idea, this isn't actually Darkseid. It's some guy called Backside. I'm like, well, what are we worried about then? And like, I, I don't understand the, the freaking games that you're playing with trying to explain your own story after the fact. And then even in this, you end up at points recapping the story that we all read. This is what I was talking about before, where you end up where we know the story just because a new character shows up or somebody that wasn't around. You don't have to recap shit. We were there. We saw it. But in this, when we first read the last issue and we talked about it, we ended up and you especially said why do we care about this? It's cartoon physics. They'll be back. Cartoon physics. But she never said that then. It almost feels like somebody got a hold of her. Hey, by the way, it's cartoon physics. And by the way, there's only one dark side. And then she had to use all this space it's so to explain weird. why it wasn't bullshit last thing. And usually I'll say, well, at least she explained. No, no, no. It's infuriating. We took time now to freaking fill out this issue with nonsense. It didn't make sense last issue to try to make it right. And yeah, didn't yeah, do exactly. anything except Rodney Rabbit to have a fucking <laughs> character change where he was pissed at Harley and realized, you know what? Superman looks up to me. I can't be a dickhole like this. I'm going to go to the cosmic trampoline, send you home. And here's one of my super characters that's going to like, you know, energize you up if you ever need it on the, as a last resort. Yeah. Go on, Harley Quinn, back to your own earth. You end up in this. And like you said, and it's I'm an Captain infuriating Karen. I'm a good thing. guy. You use your next issue to explain away the bullshit that never should have even had to be explained, but you played it off wrong in the last. So there's no it's so bad. But then even then we spend time with oh fastback. Oh, is he dead? Oh, oh, I feel. Oh, don't be. What are we doing? You end up with the stuff with Captain Carrot. The only thing you're going to do is he says, hey, I got a carrot for you. Here you go. 
and and pretty much screws Harley with it because of the idea that she shouldn't have it. Even this whole thing, and that doesn't make sense to me either, but I know. even the beginning of this book, because we have Poison Ivy's back in Gotham, she's trying to figure out what happened to Harley and why there's a cosmic fucking treadmill in the goddamn apartment, so she's calling the Flash Museum because she has a receipt where the Flash Museum sold her a fucking cosmic treadmill, which I don't... The Flash Museum wouldn't fucking do this. doesn't make any goddamn sense. And then the Flash Museum, we don't sell cosmic treadmills, and like then Harley gets back and says, That's not what she says, Eric. Let me do it. We don't sell cosmic treadmills, don't you know? She keeps saying that. Like, fuck yourself. Honestly, I I love when people have that accent, so I actually can have fun with that. But the idea. Don't you know? I I love that for some reason. It's very (laughs) charming. It's just here. I don't mind if I'm watching. What are we doing? Are we setting up something further down the line when we're done the Lady Quirk bullshit to find out who mysteriously sent Harley Quinn a cosmic treadmill for her to put together to use in her own apartment? How, how, why would we? Because it came from the Flash Museum. The first bunch of issues, I mean, the first bunch of pages of this is explaining why this didn't make sense here. And yeah, it doesn't make sense. This didn't make sense here. Oh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. We keep doing this in different parts and through the multiverse. I know. Tini Howard is horrible. Somehow. Don't you know? She's going to end up explaining the idea that Harley went back in time to send herself the cosmic treadmill, to be on the cosmic treadmill, to go back in time to get it and to go, and it's just going to be nonsense. You shouldn't be able to use it. It's going to be nonsense because all this is nonsense. And, and just that, the idea of Pam calling the, the Flash Museum takes way too let That shouldn't take one page. It takes a couple pages. Then you have Bud and Lou. Should we tell her what's going on? No. Goddamn, the cosmic guardians of Bud and Lou who are there to help Harley with her multiverse problems and Lady Quirk. I'm like, what is this book? I don't know. I don't know. And and just the stuff with Captain Carrot. How can you make me hate Captain Carrot? I love Captain Carrot. I'm sitting there like you were on the Just League Incarnate. You are slumming shit here. You should not be doing anything in this book. You shouldn't be allowed to be in this book. And it's just utter nonsense. And well, you think that's bad because then we fall back on the Two-Face feud, which is just ridiculous to me at the museum with the giant typewriter from Eric, fucking you better Batman. go with what we saw in Detective Comics and call him Mr. Face. You better <laughs> right now. See, you end up going in this. And then, as we said, I love the idea that now, because it's a Harley book, there was a little bit, and I'll ask you if you think it is, but I think that you have Poison Ivy breaking the fourth wall along with Harley by saying, well, you know, they're going to make me hang out in Slaughter Swamp still because that's what they're doing in her book. Yeah. And it's just, what, what does that mean? What are you talking about? And it's just bad. And then this whole play, again, the recap. Oh, what are you doing? Well, did you hear I was a professor? Yeah, I heard that. You didn't hear anything else. Oh, what? Oh, it's parole. Oh, my goodness. And then we go off to the school, and then we play an idea where it's supposed to be, I don't know, the idea that this is Harley, the smart Harley that knows what delusions are, which she doesn't because this doesn't make sense in anything what they're saying. Oh, here's the typewriter. What the fuck is going on? Fuck! It is so bad. It's it, it's so bad. The thing is, for some reason, there's a big deal for the idea that Harley's taking her class on a field trip to the giant typewriter store to show them the giant typewriter that was a classic Batman thing back classic in the, Batman well, thing, was it, yeah. the fucking Silver Age stuff. Yep. But as she, everybody's you know walking on the letters and she's giving her demonstration about what delusions <laughs> are and stuff like that, and realizes. Oh my god, the M key is missing. <laughs> Why did Two-Face the steal the M key, key, have it hanging out of his car as he busts through the wall then shooting at Harley Quinn? 
Why are we dealing with an M key? And even Harley says, why didn't you take the two key? And then at one point, she says, I hope that he doesn't discover threes. <laughs> it's so bad. And then there's Two-Face who just, like, this is the problem here. We, I tried to make this work in any sort of way. Is it like the cartoon? Not really. Is this the, what, what is this? What is this book? And people were giving this a 10 out of 10 this week. A 10 out of 10. I'm telling you, then you end up where she's about to get shot while everybody's on the giant typewriter and the M key's missing. And then she takes a bite out of Captain Carrot's carrot. To make herself into oh, no, a superhero. No. Even, even th- before that, there's a problem because we have Two-Face come in, shooting up the place. Everybody's screaming and running. One of Harley's students or her, like, you know, prize student that she's always questioning her at this point. Yeah, yeah. She's hanging on. She's hanging on to the ledge of the giant typewriter like she's about to fall and die. Like, it's a skyscraper. Hopefully Superman's in town and he'll save me. But if you look at the giant typewriter and even look at the keys and notice that they're going to be walking on them later, if she falls... She might fall 10 feet, and that's what we're afraid of. She might fall 10 feet. Maybe. Now, again, I didn't want to get too far into it, but the idea, okay, she's there. Listen, here's the, the, everybody wants to see the giant typewriter. I mean, holy shit. Now, everybody, I'm actually here because of abnormal psychology, because this will explain delusions. What is a delusion? Does anybody know? Oh, I know the only other girl that we know from this book. Summer. A delusion can be any belief. That one persists in despite incontrovertible physical evidence to the contrary. Why is that a giant typewriter? The giant typewriter is just a fucking giant typewriter. There's it's a no, prop. If, if I ended up saying the delusion of a giant typewriter is a delusion that I could fit that in my house and it would work. or something, It's not a delusion. Somebody made a giant typewriter. If I go and see the giant ball of yarn. That's not a delusion. What a delusion. That is not a delusion. She's messing up the idea of somebody, oh, man, they're delusional as a diss that really doesn't make sense. So in this book, she doesn't even understand one of the plot points that she throws in here, but it's played off as it's supposed to make sense. I mean, the delusion would be what? That's not a giant typewriter. It's a small typewriter. That's a regular typewriter. There's no there's no delusion. <laughs> it makes me just go insane. Then she's jumping on keys. There's no M key. <laughs> Two faces stolen it and then come back with running his car through the freaking wall. And maybe we're just idiots, but I'm like, M key, M key. I mean, yeah, no. And then she bites into the carrot to attack or at least save the girl from falling 10 feet. And then Lady Quirk shows up and goes, why are you using that carrot here? Because that is going against the whole multiverse bullshit. I, I'm, now. I'm even trying to look at this thing here with the Arabic and Roman numerals where M is a thousand. I'm just trying to do something right now. No, I'm saying it's just a thousand. It now. has two like sides that are two sides. I, Here's the got, thing. Me and uh, you are dummies. But it, if it true. takes anybody this long, if it, then even if it does make sense, it's not good. I don't get it. And then you end up, like I said, Lady Quirk. Hey, Harley Quinn, I'm here to take you down because you're not supposed to use that carrot that Captain Carrot gave you. Well, that's the thing. It's Lady Quark was initially pissed off because Harley Quinn somehow, we still don't understand, broke the multiversal walls and stole the Vorpal fish from Captain Carrot, costing his world fucking problems. Again, to the I didn't side. mind that in the way that Harley breaks the fourth wall all the time when she ended up as a last ditch effort. She went to grab whatever. And then it came out. She pulled it out. But I can Lady make Clark that work, but not now. Is pissed now because she has a super carrot, cosmic carrot, 
that she then bites into to be able to have superpowers to take like save Summer and stop Two Face, but it doesn't go along with what we're talking about with the like you know what the rules were that Lady Quark established. Yeah, I, I and I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. And so when you have this going on, then all of a sudden all of Lady Quark's you know guys show up and they start blasting pew pew and everything's on fire. That poor giant typewriter's in a lot of trouble. Uh, but it's a delusion. So what the fuck cares? The war right? is put on hold, though, because Carly, Harley Quinn has to do Batman stuff. So she can't, she's very popular. She has to go be a part of the Bat family. So we can't do this right. You and your purpose will be known to me, Quinn. I was like, this is the idea that she realized, all right, we'll put a pin in this for now because you got Batman stuff to deal and, with. And the greatest is the Batman stuff is night terrors. That, yeah. That's what it is. So it's. Hey, we got to stop to go. She'll she'll say, oh, I got to go here and fall the fuck asleep and have night terrors where I do think that the solicits mention Lady Quark. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's bad. And then so this will be continued up. in Night Terror's First Blood and yeah, Night Terror's Harley Quinn. Here's the thing. I don't think it's going to be continued in Night Terror's First Blood. Maybe Harley will be on the side or something like that. I think that they're saying everything is, but then there'll be a Harley Quinn book. We'll see. How that is, but seriously, if somebody over there at DC has any, I mean, we're already going to get Teeny Howard tying into the Batman book for the Gotham War after Night Tears. Who is thinking that Teeny Howard has any sort of ability to write anything that makes sense? I mean, this book is just ridiculous, but at least we don't have vent cats delivering ramen. I mean, that that isn't a book True. that shouldn't have that shit. Why? What is going on here? I don't understand. And then we get a backup that doesn't mean shit. It looks crazy. Uh, but I, st- I stopped reading these because they don't make sense. The idea doesn't matter. Of, here's a backup of Harley Quinn's dreams in different styles, and I hated the art, so I'm like, I'm not even bothering. Yeah, but this is just Mecha Harley in a different universe deal. Agree. Nothing. It's not even in a different universe. Like the idea, it's just a dream. It's just a fucking anime. And even by the end, when it's like Harley, Quinn, I got to stop falling asleep watching anime. And it's like, see you next time, Space Cowboy. I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. I don't need your goddamn bullshit to add an extra dollar to this book for nothing backups. Yeah, there's no reason. This book sucks. I'm not even getting this a story in the front up, let alone these bullshit backups. You ain't getting any rent. <laughs> getting the front rent. Oh, my God. What are you giving this? Uh? Three out of ten. Fuck you, chicken strips. I'm giving it a fuck you, too. Uh, the new one, Eric. A- again, I-, I don't mind Sweeney Boo's art. and actually think Sweeney Boo's art fits the, the book and the story. It's just that the story. It's fucking terrible. So. I actually don't mind the art for the main story. No, I think it's, just it's this... pretty good. I think it fits the cartoony look. That's fine. But the story itself is awful. It's awful. There's no reason to read. The one thing that I will give this book, I'll give it one bit of credit. You don't have to read anything else. You... Two out of ten. You're right. It's so fucking out of everything that if you try to tie it in with something that you're insane, then you're delusional. <laughs> but not not a giant typewriter. That's just there. Tenet, I don't even need the feud with Harley, uh, Harley, with Harvey Dent because it doesn't make any sense for. I'm telling you, Eric, this is supposed to be an incontin- action. It's a new, co- it's an incontinuity book. You can't treat the characters this stupid. And when you do that, and you have Two Face show up, I mean, at some point Harley should at least mention like Two Face. You keep getting me in trouble. I don't have your lawyers that get you out of it, and then I get there. And maybe the joke would be that she keeps getting more and more of these crazy jobs because of this idea of her getting it. But you're not even playing that. He just shows up because they had an M key. <sighs> so bad. Two out of ten, Eric. Oh, God. What, what, 
What is your book of the week? My book of the week is City Boy number two. <laughs> so is mine. That's a, that's a surprise. Which sadly feels like a by a mile at this point by anything else, even though I did enjoy some stuff that we had. Again, that's why I said at the beginning that by the end I was going to tell you that, hey, let's bring on the night terrors. I, I think I've been living them for a couple of weeks now. But yeah, uh, I, I mean, I'm kind of mad that it is putting a halt on some of the Dawn of DC momentum. But when you get this shit, then I remember, and I said, remember when I was telling you that somebody said, I think that Dawn of DC is a lot better than the new 52. And I said, well, it's way too early to say anything Agreed. like that. But even when you say that, I said, are you counting Harley? Oh, oh, I forgot about that. You count Catwoman because that has it on. The, oh, I forgot about that. But the person was only talking about three books is yeah. what they were dead. So I'm like, no, no, there, there's some crap. And I enjoyed three books of the new 52 as well at any given time. I enjoyed a bunch. There was some good, bad effects. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like so, yeah, City Boy is my book of the week as well. But this is what we'll be talking about next week as we fully hit the spookiest months of the year, July and Ooh. August. We will have Adventures of Superman, John Kent number five, which is That's one not of the a books that terror. is continuing <laughs> on. And a lot of the play here are going to be books that are, you know, out of time, out of continuity, yeah. or... If a hero like a John Kent, he can't fall asleep with the night terrors. He's in the injustice world. He can't do there that. So that makes sense. So you have that. He can fall asleep while he's over there in action comics. Well, what he can do is he can fall asleep like I am while he's in the injustice. <laughs> I still care about that book for some reason. I'm telling you, all we keep doing is I think that my oh, dad I, here is dude, a little I'm shush. telling you, the, the last two issues of John Kent has been a walking tour of injustice. And I'm not yeah. there for that. But for some reason, no. I'm like. This could all come together still. Once we get, once Tom Taylor is, is satisfied with the idea that he thinks that everybody reading knows what injustice is, maybe she'll do something. That'll be the last battle Fuck. of issue six. Uh, I did want to mention. I, I was gonna, I was gonna mention when we were talking about Batman: Brave and the Bold. That'll be a book that'll continue. There's a weird schedule with that, and that Tom King Mitch Gerard story. I actually thought that next issue was the finale. I was gonna ask you, yeah, yeah, it's not. You have next issue. Then you take a break for an issue, it seems, and then come back with the next so issue. Because Dennis Culver's gets put in. It's very Tell odd. Me, this book is supposed to be like big in my mind for how they announce it. Like you're already off the rails at three issues in. Yeah, you're already off the rails. And that Tom King big deal, it's, I think it's only four issues. So we'll have to see how that plays out. And if people who are buying it by then are just like, I'm not getting any bang for my buck here. I think I'll follow Jim's advice and get the old trap. Damn right. they'll say. Night Terrors Batman, number one. And Ooh. if you are, again, I'll, I'll mention to everybody that tomorrow, Sunday, it'll be up when people hear this on the regular feed. Probably. And Monday's Jim's birthday. Yeah, but I'm going to end up putting out a, I said, birthday, I say, survive, thank you, survival guide, kind of a Night Terrors for Dummies, where I'm going to go through each of the books, all the solicits for these books, and kind of maybe even tell people okay well we set up this one because you know how jordan was in, on the plane with the carol fair like stuff like that but i'll try to yeah. have a little bit of fun with it and maybe get some people inspired to check it out but we also have night terrors black adam a lot of people tell me they're into that it's jeremy hahn doing the writing I, and the i'm art, just so, so like we'll worried see. about what's going on with black adam right now because you know he had his own He's book went off the rails and before that he was on the just league went back to conduct i'm like 
what are we doing with Black Adam right now that we have to include him in this? I had a video about Christopher Priest and how things got wonky with that oh, Black yeah. Adam book. And part of that interview was funny because they ended up asking him, like, oh, man, what do you think about Bendis and stuff? He didn't seem to like that. He didn't seem to like the idea. And he said he didn't mind What's Black Adam being on him? the Justice League. But he did mind that Batman didn't mind that Black Adam oh, was on agree. the Justice League. Yeah, he said fully that there is no way in hell that Batman would ever allow a person like that to be on a team with him, especially the Justice he, League. He let a freaking teenage girl who had Omega-level powers for two weeks on the Justice League and praised her. Eric, who cares about that? Because at points it looked like Harley Quinn was involved, too. He's nonsense. What are you talking about? Harley Quinn's a part of the Bat family. Yeah, well, there you go. She got a call from Batman. She had to go, and Lady Quark had to let that <laughs> shit slide. Christopher Priest might have some ideas here. It's funny, too. In the solicit, I think it went something like, Black Adam, when you know, falls asleep in his worst nightmare. It's that conduct probably doesn't like him. That's all it no, is. No. That's all it ever is. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Hopefully, it'll be better. Night Terror's First Blood number one, which is legitimately the first start of the main event. There was a free, free comic book day kind of prelude that didn't really do that much. But the first big story of the Night Terrors is First Blood number one that kicks everything off. Then we have Night Terror. That's why I said that I think the Poison Ivy or the Harley said, you know, this goes off in the Night Terror's first blood right. and then the Harley deal. Night Terror's Poison Ivy, number one, that's being done by G. Willow Wilson. Now, is this going to tie into the Poison Ivy book or the Harley Quinn book or Eric, either? Well, here's the thing, too. I will discuss this Lamia. on that video. Nobody knows. But <laughs> in the solicits for Poison Ivy, a lot of Janet from HR being mentioned. So right. we'll get some of that, right? You got Night Terror's Ravager, number one. That's kind of cool. Brisson. But also, it's, it's such a weird Ed idea because Brisson, Eric, who's Ravager, doing Stormwatch. I, I mm. know, but like the, then mm. Ravager's on Stormwatch, and I'm right there for it because yeah. I actually like a lot of stuff that Ed Brisson does. But who sat there and thought, you know who needs to be included in this big event for two months? Ravager, the daughter of Deathstroke. Now I'm saying that. Now I'm thinking that I'm wrong with Ed Brisson writing it, but I'm going to check just to make sure, uh, Eric. I'm looking right now. Let me see. Yeah, it is Ed Brisson. Oh, no, oh, I'll tell you this, go. too. We didn't talk about this during Batman the Brave and the Bold either, but during that great Stormwatch story, they even talked about Rose's powers about seeing in the future when she was fighting the Zent. I'm like, that's cool. You're yeah, doing those it. You're worthless actually- powers. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> she sees like three seconds. So she's a long shot. You end up here with uh, Night Terror. But nobody mentions that. So, and here's the thing. I think that the, and I was making up my notes for that video, and I, I think that Night Terror's Ravager, in my mind, is going to be, you know, that, that secret hit. That's going to be the, the gem in the rough. Because I'm here for it. For you, you like Ravager. Yeah. You're liking that Stormwatch deal by a Brisson, and it's Dexter Soy art, which you are. That sounds so I think amazing. That, yeah, I think that you might like that one a lot. We have Night Terror's The Joker. Why? <laughs> It's Matthew Rosenberg, too. I, uh, I, are we going to get now, the, the now, dream what the is nightmare this? is going to be there's a faux Joker? Does does this tie into the Joker, the man who stopped laughing so much? Or is it tie into what the Joker's currently doing with Joker, Inc. and Batman Incorporated? No, I, well, it's it's Matthew Rosenberg. So he's it's a joke the, because we yeah. have Joker everywhere you don't want to be. Yeah, yeah. Or does it tie into the Joker from the past? No, no I think that it'll no, be. No, oh, we're both wrong. It's a deadly duo nightmare. The solicits for this book, this Joker book, are so, here. Uh, I'm going to read you these solicits for everybody. Here we go. Night Terrors, the Joker, number one. It is Matthew Rosenberg and the art by Stefano Raffaele. The Joker's worst nightmare becomes a reality. He's got a day job. 
How will he handle meetings that could have been emails? Why did management cancel Bring Your Child to Work Day? Who will make the small talk at the coffee machine? What is Alexis going to pick for lunch? And who is the masked madman terrorizing Gotham at night? (laughs) I swear to God, this just sounds like the idea like, Hey, you got any more of those bullshit backups you're running yeah, for the Joker? The that's stuff what it sounds like. Put a Night Terrors on yep. the cover. Yep. There you go, Eric. And then the second one. God damn The it. second issue has, the Joker's nightmare has been terrifying and horrific. But what does the clown prince of crime have locked away uh, that might be the most disturbing reveal of the year? A baby is what I think, Eric. A b- baby? It's nonsense. That is such not- Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't need that shit. Like, don't, don't give me that. Then we have uh, Steelworks number two. Okay. Eric, one of the things I told you earlier doesn't seem like Cyborg continues during this, which I thought was kind of odd, and I thought that that's a misplay. You should have put Cyborg, even if he's on the Titans team or whatever, just have the book come out because it would give it a little more of a focus. In my mind, Night Terrors, like, you know, taking up the next two months, you have Cyborg come out, which I can't expect Cyborg to be a big seller for DC Comics. But if you have that out there during an event, which a lot of people will skip on because they don't feel like it matters, maybe they'll check out something in continuity like a Cyborg book. That's what I, that's why I thought that you should have that going on. Now, some of the things that we just did, hey, I got it. It was delayed, Eric, across town. With all that, Two of these books will be on the Patreon spotlight. I would guess that it's going to be Night Terrors, Batman, and First Blood, the two big books. So if you I, want I, to get I, involved I with that. I forgot everything you told me already, so I can't even make a guess. It's going to be it's going to be Steelworks and um, John Kent. Oh, you think just the regular books. That'd be kind of crazy, too. There you go. Um, but again, if you want to get involved, help us out. And get a ton of podcasts in return, including our weekly spotlight. Two books picked by the badasses to get fresh crew. They're definitely picking Joker and Poison Ivy. (laughs) Patreon.com slash weird science. And as this is going, just to reaffirm to everybody, we will be reading and reviewing every issue of Night Terrors. Some of them will be on, I'm sure, on the Patreon spotlights. I'm sure, yeah. We will be going through each and every one of them. So we're the place to be is what I hear. Even though DC doesn't want it, they, they're going to have to deal with it. We're their Night Terrors, Eric. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. And Day Terrors with a K. I, huh? <laughs> that that works as good style. as that M fucking key. Oh, goodness gracious. I, I wish my dad was still alive. He used to fix typewriters. I'm like, you've never said that before in your life. Why would Two-Face want an M key? Be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, Dad, you don't have to slap me just because I asked you a question. I mean, seriously, the only other question I ever ask you is why do you have me if you hate me this much and you slap me then as well? Well, obviously you're a mistake. for help. I was. It, my dad and mom told me that. Mine and too. then, and then, once I was a mistake, they wished I was a girl, and were going to call me Sally. And they Sally did. I was. Mm. I'm telling you, some of these pictures I used to see hanging around the house, they they certainly were trying to make that stick. Like they were trying to fool people, and it didn't. I'm work. Telling you, the thing then, is, you're just you're just like, your parents were just the catalyst for the origins of the Sleepaway Camp movie. No, I'm telling when you end up. Just imagine when they have Mr. Burns as a kid, and he's got that curly. Oh yeah, <laughs> he looks like Shirley Temple. That every picture, I'm like, I'm not that old. Like, what is going on there? Like, somehow I was a time traveling baby or something. I these weird shoes, I don't know, very odd. Uh, dresses. There's at least five baby pictures where I'm definitely wearing a dress. School. 
I seem pretty happy. Yeah, it's comfortable. It's fucking free. Whatever, yeah. Maybe that's why I don't like undies. Maybe. Maybe that's it. Maybe it might be. I don't, I don't like that. Free ball. Uh, yeah. I'm telling you, at one point it looked like I was going to fucking click my fucking heels and I'd end up in Kansas. This one picture. The thing is, how much you big love Wizard lollipop. of Oz, I'm sure you have. I know. Big ass lollipop in that. I'm like, what is going What is this? This You know, good ship lollipop. I don't know what this was. At one point I asked, There's, I wish I could go and get this picture. You would never believe it. And I said at one point, was that like a gag? You say that. I'd believe it if it came out from this 20 years ago, this picture. I'm telling you, it looked like, like something you would get in an amu- amusement park. Oh, you could either pick like the Old West photos or let's go with the – and they said, no, that's just a lollipop. regular picture. What the fuck is that? And I had the, the lollipop, like, and I'm a real little, but I have it, like, on my shoulder. Fucking thing was bigger than my head. Good shit, fucking lollipop. I, I just don't get it. And then I'd look at it, and I'd, like, here's the thing, too. Imagine this. Like, I, I used to laugh at the picture, and I'd, I'd ask questions about it, and they'd never, they never had real answers. But then just imagine that I'm like, hey, you know, a bunch of guys are coming over to watch the Flyers play the Penguins. That shit has to go down. That stuff can't be up. So I'd have to run upstairs because it was, you know how our houses are, and you have yeah. that, you know, hallway. I'd have to run, grab all the pictures. Cause first, and just imagine, too. The hallway of the upstairs of the houses we grew up in, not really great to put pictures anyway because there's just doors and a little bit. But there they were. They were just there. It was like the hall of horrors. And I'd have to grab them and then go and throw them under my bed. And if I didn't remember to put them back up before the next day, my mom and dad would get pissed, but they would never tell me what they were. I think they might not have even been me. It might have been like a sister they got rid of. <laughs> like the Kennedys. They threw that sister in some asylum or something, Eric. I don't know. But they would never answer me. I would love the idea where out of nowhere, your parents are just awful people and you discover after your mom dies that you do have a sister that's in an asylum somewhere that you yeah, never know about. just that. These weren't even pictures of me. Look like me. Had white hair like I did back in the day. But Is, did your brother Steven have any pictures like this? No. There's one <laughs> picture like that where I'm... Again, looks like I'm in like this <laughs> really dread. I'm surprised I didn't have a parasol. Like, ooh, we, and I'm holding my brother, and he's just a little, I mean, real little baby, as if they ran off and my brother was three days old. Like, he couldn't even support his head. But you could tell already I had no empathy as a three-year-old. I wasn't even holding him. He was kind of like laying on my lap in a way that looks like if I left him there for about two more minutes, he would have died. He's like, yeah, and his tongue's hanging out. Very odd. It's a real odd picture. I had that hanging up. There I am. I had a hat. This hat with lace and hat. shit around. <laughs> with lace. I look either. I look like I was like a little girl, or maybe Prince. Look like he, some of the shit he wore. So there I am. I'm very accepting, Eric. That's why I'm such a good guy, right? Because of those early pictures. I hid that shit every time anybody came over. Girlfriends, anybody. Not a lot of them, but still. No. You didn't have to hide them a lot, apparently. No, not in those instances. Maybe it would have helped. But with all of that, we will be talking again. Two of those. I just books love the idea the that these were upstairs in the hallway. Yeah, they were in the hallway. And, but like, you're coming over to watch the fucking flyers. Why does anybody got to go upstairs? The bathroom's upstairs. There, you got a bathroom what? downstairs. Fuck, am I a Rockefeller? We didn't have a bathroom downstairs at that point. Know. We had a closet. Well, we, we had we had what we called the Tudor. It's a, it's a powder there. room. Yeah, no, we didn't even have that. Where you uh, would have that that bathroom that some had. Yeah, yeah. My dad must have went a little cheap, and we had just like a storage closet. Okay. That my dad did. That makes sense, and it all works out. Yeah, when I moved out, and you know, 
later on in the deal. Well, your dad got bigger and older. He did not want to go up them stairs. He could barely get up them stairs. So, yeah, that's why. That's why he didn't want to shit his pants every day. So he got that and turned that into a uh, a bathroom. But as I was growing up, that was not that other okay. half bath. We just had one bathroom, and that was a gateway to hell. That's why when I tell that story, that's why I'm always running down the fucking you know <laughs> stairs after I flush the toilet. We didn't have a downstairs deal. I would do that, and then occasionally I'd run right into the, the glass door. Uh, on our, you know, at the back room where back the, kitchen, the kitchen yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's weird that even the different types of houses that, you know, always had that same kind of pattern deal that me and you grew up in. Because They're all the if same. people didn't know, me and you did grow up in pretty much the same neighborhood. So yep. all of that going on, though, that's that. We had a fun old time. You got me through it, Eric. I really feel like shit right now. And now I have to go edit this because if you end up going on the Patreon, another big plus is that you get to listen to the podcast. if. If that's your thing, early, a little early, early access. So I'm going to go off and edit this right away. But thanks, everybody. Thanks, Eric, for joining me. Thank Eric, you. What, what do we say at the end of the podcast? Everybody have a great week. We, Keep it weird. We will see you in seven. We will see you in seven. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.